At the beginning of each episode, we like to take a second to thank our monthly patrons for their generous donation to the show. Thank you to Aaron Bachman for his continued support of the podcast. Visit us on Patreon to receive some monthly benefits and help us even more in our conversation about Active Hope. You're listening to The Only Constant, where we explore how minor change brings lasting hope. On this episode of the podcast, we spoke with Chloe Ward. Chloe studies theater and creative writing, and during our conversation, we learned about how both of these artistic pursuits have given Chloe the tools for diving into comedy. We discussed how comedians think and the process behind making something funny. Some comedians tend to take a more structured approach, while others prefer to be spontaneous. Chloe also gave us her opinions on some of the harder parts of the performance industry, and how she has learned to lean into her strengths in order to overcome them. We also dove into Chloe's connection to religion, and her belief in God, something that has been consistent throughout her life. Chloe has found her niche in comedy, and it has given her the opportunity to be more vulnerable as a performer. Throughout her journey as both comedian and actor, her faith in God remains strong, as does her optimistic spirit. Stay open, stay active, and keep listening. Hey, Chloe. Hi. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. It is. It really means a lot that you like came in like last. I think it was yeah. so funny that. You were like, yeah, I'm ready to do it. And, like, I just, that's yeah. funny that we haven't even thought about asking you before, and you're his roommate. So, right. I'm glad that we're yeah. Well, we've doing thought this. about asking. We've thought about it. We've, ta- we've, we've talked, talked about, about this it. a little oh, bit. Oh, I guess oh, I haven't talked got... about it with you. Okay. Okay. No, they, okay. they were okay. like, okay. let's do this Tuesday at 1 p.m., and then nothing ever, like, <laughs> happened. happened. Yeah. When the, what was that? I think I asked Chloe about it, and then. I forgot to tell you. I just wasn't good planning. Yeah, that's, that's why okay. I didn't happen. I didn't know that. That's okay. <laughs> but the pay is really good, so yeah, couldn't pass it up. Um, I guess we should start out with your name and your okay. preferred pronoun. Yes, um, my name is Chloe Noel Ward, um, and I go by she/her. All right, and what are you like? Primarily interested in? I know you're, you're majoring in theater and stuff like that. But yeah, how'd you get into it? Uh, yeah, I'm a double major theater creative writing, um, and I got into it because um, my dad actually went to FSU for theater, and um, so I've just kind of grown up with that, <laughs> I guess, oh, cool. and um, I wanted to pursue it. I was came in as just doing theater, but I've always been interested in writing, and eventually took up writing, and now I'm pretty into the comedy scene. Um, oh, really com- yeah, that's right, comedy too. Yeah, in comedy. So, yeah, all the arts. <laughs> Theater, <laughs> writing, um, comedy. I like painting as a hobby. <laughs> um, That's cool. So, yeah. For those that don't know, Chloe and I are roommates currently. Wow. For I the mean, next... For the next four days. Four? Left, right? Aren't you leaving in like four days? Uh, I think it's a couple more than that, but Saturday. Whatever. What day uh, is it? Yeah, Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> We've been roommates for like... Four months. Four months, and then now <laughs> she's going to Europe yeah. um, to study abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's so cool. <laughs> we have a shared, well, you kind of have mutual connections with both of us, but the way you and I met was through the comedy scene. Mm-hmm. And so I think that at least, I think that's, maybe that's not your main thing 
to you. But I know mm-hmm. that I know that about you best. So you yeah. had me laughing before we started. Yeah. We, yeah, like we were setting up for like 15 minutes, and <laughs> as we were testing the mic, you were talking. <laughs> it was just so funny. Like, just hearing right. you and go about like your stream of consciousness. I, mean, <laughs> I was laughing. So. I really, yeah. Like, what got you into that stuff? What drew you to it? Um. Well, honestly, I feel like it's pretty new for me to be like I'm a comedian you know what I mean like I only started actually like doing it in college so like for most of my life it was always just like theater and I'm a a serious actor or whatever um uh I think like in um in high school I knew that I was um like pretty sarcastic and I would be the person that would like have a lot of bits um with like my friends (laughs) the bits Uh, in theater were endless (laughs) they were um and I I don't know I just but, but in high school, I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, I need to be in comedy or something. Um, and then I think, like, I started watching. Like, I realized that, like, like in high school when I was going through, like, a rough time, like, my senior year, like, that watching Parks and Rec and watching um, – I didn't start watching The Office till I was um, a freshman in college. That just really relieved so much of, like um, – the, the stress that I was under was really such a comfort to me. Mm-hmm. And then I got to a point, like, in freshman year when I remember getting so excited by, like, these, like, shows that I was watching. And I, and I always loved SNL as well. Um, and just I was always fascinated by comedy, but from, like, an audience perspective, I guess. Um, and just watching it um, more, like, yeah, just watching it more. The performance happened away from me. <laughs> and then I was just thinking, like, oh, my gosh, like, I – love this so much um this is this is like i wish i could do this i wish i could do this and then well, i was like why not <laughs> and so then that like basically changed my like direction to like looking pretty much towards a comedy career okay so well, like, what i love about um the office and parks and rec is that and even snl i feel like it takes um like Steve Carell is like a fantastic actor, and the mm-hmm. reason he's so funny <laughs> is because he plays the character so mm-hmm. real. Yes, and like, well, you know, the jokes and some of the stuff that happens might be absurd, but mm-hmm. like, he makes it so believable. But he's mm-hmm. taking it seriously, and I noticed yeah. that when we were watching those FNL skits. Yeah. <laughs> for those who don't know, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. You're a part of Friday Night Live <laughs> at FSU, FSU. It's a comedy mm-hmm. group. Um, not Saturday Night Live, <laughs> but I mean, when we were watching those sketches last night, I like, I couldn't help but feel like such compassion for the characters that you played because it was so like, I don't want to say sad, but I, like, like my heart was out for you, like <laughs> that one customer service sketch when you were like, oh, I didn't realize this yeah. was a real person. Can we start over? Like, I was really like, oh, that's cute. That's like so interesting <laughs> to me too because. I wrote both of the sketches that you like said that about, really? and so yeah, and so I was like, it wasn't it was beyond just me being playing the part, but also the part that I wrote, and you're like, and like based on my own brain and thinking, and you're like, I feel sorry for that girl. Like, it's kind of a deriv- <laughs> derivative of me. So. <laughs> I feel so sorry for you. (laughs) Yeah. But it seemed like, so in high school, you were already interested in theater and everything. So it seemed like theater and, at least theater has at one point existed separately from comedy. But for a while now, they've been like kind of symbiotic. Yeah. No, it was like very much in 
high school I was very serious about theater and musical theater, um, like choir, like the whole deal. Um, and I was thinking more like, I gotta get to New York to do like, you know, and like the way that every young kid thinks like, I need to be on Broadway, you know? Yeah. Um, and then from there, then I can do TV and whatever stuff. Mm. Um, but then in college, like I just, my perspective like kind of widened. Um, and so now I've been doing this weird thing where I go back and forth between like theater and comedy almost. Like they do exist like together, but also um, like, you know, within like this past year, let's say, like my, on the, in the fall, I was like, I'm really done with theater and like it's just been really like, you know, difficult emotionally for me um, mm. and physically also. Yeah. And so I'm just focusing on like writing and I'm focusing on comedy. And then in the spring at the courses I took, um and like the you know i did like antigone the virtual production of antigone yeah, yeah. Man. and i took like pre-modern acting styles um and like neutral mask and so like stuff that's very like rooted in like traditional like technical theater you know um mm. and then i like reignited my love for like you know i love that i didn't know i had for like classical theater and like physicality and stuff like that mm. so it kind of like shifts but then comedy is like underneath that the whole time if that makes sense oh, that's cool so what are you <laughs> expecting to do when you go study abroad and i guess what is it in the next couple yeah. Of weeks yeah yeah so um, where are you going i'm going to london um oh. i'm doing fsu's theater academy of london which sounds so Missed fancy. my chance yeah oh yeah i know yeah, well i was fine. supposed to go last fall you know yeah. and so just things are wild yeah. <laughs> with that but um no i'm really glad i'm going um and I'm, the classes I'm taking are all, like, like I'm taking, like, Shakespeare studies, scene study, um, playwriting, so I'll get to do writing as well. Um, and then, like, I'm taking stage combat. Hmm. Um, and, you know, the theater, the London theater class you have to take. Um, I don't know if there's another one in there. Hmm. But, um, so that's another me being like, oh, I'm a... I'm a professional theater maker, you know, I'm going to be technically trained, but yeah. then I'm also like hoping to still write um, comedy and, and, and hopefully maybe even like attend some open mics um, mm. and just see like what comedy is like in London, you yeah, know? What do you think the, the London comedy scene is like? <sighs> Have you researched I've heard, it? No, I've always heard that like, you know, it's a lot more like dry. Um, British humor. Yeah, that British humor is not like more dry and dark, yeah. And I used to be so, like, sarcastic and, like, more, like, I had, like, a sharper edge to me, you know? Um, you mean with your comedy or just, like... In yeah, like, when high school I was very sarcastic in, like, almost, like, a like a bitter way, I guess. Um, <laughs> and then, like, I don't know, maybe I healed more on the inside <laughs> in, like, college. And I became less pretentious and, like, more, like, silly and goofy. I don't know how that translates, you know, to London. So that's why I feel like I want to, like, see some comedy. And then if I'm able to perform, I don't know how much I'd be able to do that outside of the school. But that would be awesome. So you're yeah, taking, yeah. you're also taking a writing course. But mm -hmm. what specifically, because you also said you're, you're double majoring in theater and creative writing. I said. am, yeah. So what got you involved? Like, what made you draw, uh, what drew you to writing? Um, I mean, like... I think it's the same thing with, like, theater and comedy, where it starts very, like, small, you know? Um, and, like, you know, my mother always said I was going to be a novelist or just have a book or something since I was, you know, won, like, the writing award in second grade. <laughs> but I didn't, um, I think, like, in 
um, when I grew, when I was a teenager, my mind was so like, you need to be focused on this one thing. You need to be like uh, in theater and that, and that's the way that you're going to succeed. So any other like hobby, you know, I think I thought maybe writing was more of like a hobby or like an interest that I didn't have to nurture. So I kind of just let that be something that I knew I was good at, but I didn't need to pursue. Mm. And then in college, um... I don't even know. I just I was always interested in looking at the creative writing program and then I was like thinking, you know, maybe I need to write more for comedy and such. So I just decided and I and I was always interested in poetry, so mm. I took like a poetry class and I was like, let me just try this out my sophomore year. And then I was like, "Oh no, I love this. This is great. Um I need to I need to really keep up with this." So then I just decided to double major after that. Mm. So, wow. I I I had a like I didn't know exactly what to pursue either mm-hmm. until like I got into FSU and then it was basically not in a way that it was like chosen for me, but I was mm-hmm. like, well, that's probably my best option. So I'm mm-hmm. going to go there. So I think it's so interesting to hear you say, like I was a high schooler who didn't know, uh-huh. like I didn't really know what I, like I knew I had like a knack for theater, but I didn't know if I wanted to go do that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you had writing like in your back pocket mm-hmm. <laughs> your whole life, like I think, mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just like interesting to hear that you pursued, would you say that creative writing theater and comedy are like your main avenues you know yeah i would say um like comedy is my niche you know and that's Mm. the thing that i think sets me apart um that was what i was struggling with with theater specifically was that i was like i'm not i didn't feel special enough to make it you know but i felt like i had in um comedy like something that was unique that i could like pursue differently Mm. um and then it was just more of a niche area to, like, put more focus on. But then, like, theater and creative writing are kind of, like, how I'm growing artistically in general, I guess. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to make sure. I'm going to go get you a quick glass of water real quick. Oh. We're gonna, I don't want to stop recording or anything. Okay. but I do have water. Oh, you do? I okay. do. Okay. Just, did I, I wanna... seem thirsty? <laughs> no, no. I just want to make sure. Normally yeah. a guest has a glass of water. I see, yeah. I saw her come in with the bottle. Okay, my bad. That's not my job normally. Okay. I'm the water Calm boy. down, everyone. It's boy. okay. <laughs> um, well, that's so. Comedy is your your niche. Um, I would hope so. <laughs> and so, no, yeah, no, no. That's interesting. So, like, I guess with theater, you didn't necessarily feel like you could. I don't even know how to. What do you mean by that? Like, like why? Why was? Why is poetry not your niche, or why is theater not your? Why is like straight up theater not your niche? Um. So I guess I look at um. Uh, comedy to me is like a form of performance and writing. You know what I mean? It is, so it's yeah. like a subset of theater. It's a subset of comedy. It's a subset of like television and stuff like that. Um, it's a genre. <laughs> so like that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Like I'm looking at things a lot more like muddled, you know, um, mm. and exploring everything. But um, but knowing that like more of a comedy track. So using the skills that I learned in theater and writing to like kind of, you know, making sure that it's a little bit more trained to comedy, but I'm still keeping my assets um he just made the funniest face i loved it <laughs> just listening yeah i guess i don't know if that makes sense but yeah like theater was my was my niche because that was like everything about me you know yeah. for a long time that was my thing it was became to the point when i got to fsu and i was doing theater and it was like we had to do an icebreaker 
of like what are you what are you your hobbies for that I'm like the thing that we're here for <laughs> no, the, the, the thing this isn't your life <laughs> yeah yeah um and so and then like writing just grew more like that became a lot more about me um so um yeah I don't know if that makes sense but I also like still um the different aspects of theater and like poetry and like you know novel writing or um like performance art um you know classical (laughs) theater Mm. stuff like that musical theater still um those are also still like parts of me Mm. um but I just found something different I guess with comedy yeah I mean I can see how theater and creative writing can complement one another Mm -hmm. and like come to fruition through comedy because with theater you know it's performance yeah and with writing you have to prepare those jokes before you go on stage yeah. unless you're one of the comedians that likes to improv sometimes but i also think that in general it's refreshing to be friends with at least loosely connected with mm-hmm. the comedians because i think comedians are like integral to society yeah. i think that they get out all of those voices that i think is in a lot of people's heads when mm-hmm. they are witnessing everything that's going on in the world and you mm-hmm. have that thought that you're like i'm not going to say that out loud you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> basically or it's like or maybe you do and it's like taken out of context or whatever something can start from it but mm-hmm. what i love about a comedian is that it's like your job to or at least it's a comedian's job in general to just like talk about things that i feel like people tend to brush under the rug i don't know i want to get your perspective on that i think i I think that they're so important for society what do you think yeah i mean i think that's interesting when you say that because i feel like i have a different outlook on comedy than i feel like a lot of people do have that perspective of like it's supposed to um they're supposed to like talk about the things that you know I don't know, just, you know, like, look at something that we maybe people don't talk about, and then we point it out and say, look at this thing, and look how funny it is, or how, yeah, um, yeah. and I feel like a lot of comedy has become very kind of dark, and, um, like, in a way trying to alleviate some pain, I guess, um, mm-hmm. in a way that, like, highlights this, like, darkness, or, like, offensiveness, or whatever, Yeah. but the way that I think about it is just that, like, all a comedian's job is to just like entertain, <laughs> just in a general oh, okay. platform. I, I okay. actually agree with you there. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there, I think that some comedians can, you know, uh, there talk, are there can yeah. there are comedians that do a good job at talking about things in society and making fun of them. But I would say I have the same core outlook about comedy, which is at the end of the day, if I can just, you know. I said I, but like if a comedian can just make people laugh or mm-hmm. not even have to laugh. Comedy doesn't even always have to be about like getting the big laugh, just making people feel good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the most important thing. And I agree with you. I think a lot of humor, especially on the internet, um, it's getting very, not, it's dark. It's, it's kind of like, it's like doomer humor have you ever heard that term like a doomer Mm-mm. Mm-mm. there's like you know like there's like boomers mm-hmm. so then people call like gen z i don't know yeah. on the internet the it's like the doomer humor <laughs> it's like oh we're all nihilistic and we're all yeah. like 
nothing matters. <laughs> and, and humor always has to be absurd and create, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. like that whole brand of humor. And I don't really. Like Rick and Morty-esque in a way. Well, I like Rick and Morty. I think Rick and Morty's funny. But there's like just nonsensical, like, I'm disassociating from everything humor. And I just think it's a little I think there's sometimes. a place for it, too. It's definitely funny I think, sometimes. Yeah, I think it's like, just what I've noticed when I'm even going to like the stand-up, like, um, like when I go do stand up, just seeing how much people want to talk, it almost and it almost feels like a race or like a competition to see like who can say the most like on the line like yeah. controversial, offensive thing, yeah. and who can do it in like the most like comedic way. Yeah. So yeah. that like like it's like almost like ooh, I lost that one to the audience. They didn't. Ooh, my bad. All right. I'll just leave it there. Um, Like, I lost that one to the audience, and I didn't, like, you know, they didn't like that one, but this joke that I, they they actually, like, laughed or, like, gasped. There was a reaction from them. Um, That is not me (laughs) at all. Um, I don't say anything, hopefully, (laughs) like, offensive or, like, political or controversial, um, because that's just not who I am, Hmm. I guess. Um, So... Yeah. Well, I've found that in a lot of the lo- like a lot of local comedy comedy shows, um, I there's a yeah. I think it's super easy to go the route of like I'm gonna get a rise out of the the audience by saying this shocking thing, and it's yeah. a lot easier to do that, and it's a lot harder to write a joke where people are like, oh my god, that was like that was funny. Yeah. You know, just like witty and. Because that for me, I just think of it like. The comedy that helped me, like, you know, feel comforted and feel like I was able to escape into, like, a different world or whatever was comedy that didn't try to say, like, hey, look at your look at your struggles, look at your pain, look at what, like, worries you. It was stuff that, like, completely, like, ignores that for a little... There's, like, this mm-hmm. quote from, like, I think it's Michael Schur or, like, I don't think it's... Greg, maybe it's Greg Daniels, but I'm pretty sure it's Michael Schur who, um, you know, created the most amazing shows, like, Parks and Rec in the Office where he talks about saying, like, you know, com- like, sitcoms and, like, comedy is basically, like, saying, like, yes, there are these terrible, horrible things. The world is painful. There's horrible stuff. But, like, we are trying to give you the prescription to, like, make it feel better, to just alleviate the pain, yeah. you know, um, well, instead of, like, pointing towards it. <laughs> and that's why The Office, I don't know how much you've watched of The Office. But oh, my gosh. It's, so I yeah. love that show. That's why it's so great, because it... It points out, it, I mean, in a lot of the episodes, it does point out, like, very funny things yeah. that people do. But at the end of the day, I would say that that entire show is about loving each other. Yeah, like, it doesn't ignore, it doesn't ignore problems. No. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of says, like, that's not everything, you know? Like, right. There's, like, mm. more to, like, laugh at and look at. Yeah, it's very optimistic. Yeah. Yes. And I think a good example of what you guys are talking about, like, this kind of edgy yet dark humor... Um, I think a good thing that exemp- a good example of that would be Bo Burnham's most recent special that he mm-hmm. released on Netflix. I yeah. watched. I, now I I'm not I'm not saying that it was all dark. I'm saying like I dude, there were parts of that special that made me laugh <laughs> so hard. Specifically, <laughs> the bit where he's like, "White woman, yeah. white woman's Instagram." <laughs> <laughs> dude, <laughs> 
I just like when and I had no idea because I was like, what is he doing right now? Because like the bit starts out with like he's in like a like a red plaid shirt or something with no pants on, like posing. I'm like, what is going on right mm-hmm. now? And it's like I know that he was like a caricature of that, um, but it was just so he he was. I think he did a good job of like interlacing some uplifting moments with some truly, you know, dark moments because mm-hmm. I think that obviously he did the whole thing locked up. Uh, in a one-bedroom apartment, I believe, for like over a year or mm-hmm. something. And he didn't think it was going to take that long, but that's what he was doing. I'm going to lock myself in here until I finish producing this thing. And he made some great content. Um, but I think he also was experiencing a lot of low lows, mm-hmm. you know, as as I think that, that special exemplifies. And I don't think that it's necessarily characteristic of our generation. I just... I just think it's example. It's an it's an, a good example of our current circumstances because it's like like you said we're like the doomers and there's a reason that that definition is given. Like there's the reason that the boomers were given the boomers is because it was post war. Everybody was having babies, you know. And it's like now we're the doomers, which indicates that we're all think, something is gonna happen. And I think that that yeah. special was very existential. You know, it's like especially that one bit where he does commentary on himself, commentating himself, commentating himself. Like it ends up getting really, really meta and everything. Yeah. And it makes you think about what we watch and what we, uh, what we absorb into our brains and everything like that. And not, re- not necessarily saying that this is what you need to do, but again, like, like you said. Just think about it. it. Yeah, but it was something that did point to those things. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting hearing your perspective that it's like comedy for you was the opposite of that. It was alleviating those existential pressures that we kind of all feel at times Mm -hmm. you know yeah I'm just like such an optimist so um I mean like I'm not saying like yeah that kind of comedy is like bad or anything like that like they can be done really well it's just like um and I my comedy I feel like is so much just like like my stand-up is like just embarrassed like telling you embarrassing stories about myself you know (laughs) so in that way I'm point I'm using my like you know the things that I used to cringe at and now I'm telling a bunch of strangers, you that's know? That's so cool, though. Yeah. Like, you're being very vulnerable when you're on stage. It's definitely a vulnerability, but I think that's, like, especially what I've learned this year, like, like vulnerability is essential um, to all comedy from, like, you know, farce to just doing stand-up. Um, so that's essential, and, and, and what keeps people engaged is being, like, authentic and, um, you hmm. know, like, grounded and, like, true to the world and like your your own like personal experiences but also like my personal taste is to make it from make it still optimistic or just lighthearted and fun um mm. rather than like um edgy serious um you know controversial or anything like that <laughs> well i forget the specific word you just used but you said you learned to be more vulnerable mm-hmm. and, and through that you found that you found you uh, created a better connection with the audience and such, and mm-hmm. you know I feel like, in sense, it made you kind of more transparent, or at least in a way, it made you more transparent. Um, and I'm wondering if you saw vulnerability kind of bleed into any other part of your life, you know, like like what are and if not, what else did you learn from pursuing that, you know? Yeah, I think um, like. Um, well, I mean, the example that, like, the two examples was, like, when I was in that, like, 
pre-modern acting styles class. Like we did farce for like a whole thing. And it, farce is like so different than, um, you know, modern comedy, the comedy I'm used to. And it relies so much on like basically making a fool out of yourself. Like you're the stupid person. And I had to get over the whole thing of like, well, that's embarrassing. But it's like, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> like that's the <laughs> whole point of it. And it's like, oh, okay. So it doesn't just literally trip and fall and that's okay. <laughs> and that's just like, that doesn't, you don't have, if you're not embarrassed by it, then they can't be, you know, if you don't let yourself be embarrassed, then there's nothing to be embarrassed about, you know? Mm. And then I did my stand-up, and I there were, the first time I did stand-up was, like, this year, and I'm very new to it still. Oh, my gosh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I had no idea. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm very, I've done, like, slowly was doing, like, improv and then sketch comedy and now um, stand-up. Um, Congrats. That's thanks. cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's... Um, the first time I did it, I, it was actually, like, a way larger crowd than I was expecting, like, on Landis, and um, and there was one joke where I was, like, I don't know if I'm, or, like, one story where I was, like, this is actually, like, very embarrassing. I don't know if I'm going to say it. And I was, like, you know, just do it, and it actually got a huge laugh, you know? <laughs> nice. So I was, like, okay, yeah, like, there's no point in holding it back because it's not actually harming you, you know? Mm. Um, so I think um, in that way, that's just allowing me to be, um, be I don't know, to, I, I think I've like been really interested in embarrassment because I feel like I'm embarrassed all the time. <laughs> like for like so much of my life, I just feel so embarrassed and I wanna like learn how to like um, not be, <laughs> you Stop know? Stop thinking about it. Somewhere. Stop thinking about it. And, like, yes, it gives me new material for stand-up, but, like, to also learn how to, like, not let it, like, control some of my, like, worries or thoughts. Um, hmm. And I think, like, with writing, I am able to be more vulnerable now because I'm, now I'm in the place where it's, like, holding it back, holding back, like, some things about myself or, like, my life that doesn't, like, I don't know how much of that is, like, helping me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and releasing it, like, that's just because I don't have control of, like, who knows something, um, that that doesn't have to, like, affect my life, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's a little bit about that way. And then with comedy, like, I just, be, once I started, like, training my, training my, like, you know, creative side to be more comedic, it changed the way I, like, perceive like any form of like entertainment and media and I feel like you notice this too like I'll just start laughing at everything like even if it's like serious you know well I think <laughs> I think that's a comedian thing mm -hmm. and like I I don't really identify I wouldn't say the first thing I identify as is a comedian but being it's always been in my life in some way improv or comedy and mm -hmm. I know yes I think that's a comedian thing because I'll be in really serious situations and might not outright start laughing, but there's a part of me that's looking at what's happening and being like, this would be this would be so funny to make fun of right now. Like this is there's something happening here that's someone's taking it too seriously or you know what I mean? There's always something to kind of like poke fun at. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to go back to something you said earlier that I found okay. interesting, which is that you are uncomfortable. You feel more uncomfortable potentially. I don't know if you said this. You feel more uncomfortable <laughs> going into doing farce, like making a fool of yourself, or did you not say that that you were? Um, I think I was. That was like when I was doing like training in farce specifically, and like not like which was outside, which is more in like a theater context, and not like yes, the farce is like a comedic genre, but it was outside of my like clubs and organizations that are centered around comedy. Um, when I was in that setting, it was so much more about like 
the kind of theater or or comedy that I've reserved from where it's like very like um very stupid like you're the dumb person you need to just fall and like very physical um okay and so that was the most where it was like you can't have any reservations like you're at like, all well and I was going to say in high school cuz Caleb knew me in high school I was a big my comedy back then and it still is when we make each other laugh that's kind Very of what it physical is here. but it was all physical being an idiot in front of people <laughs> yeah. and i just found it interesting because i tend to get a little bit more a it's not my favorite style of comedy to watch but i also don't um have an interest in doing it which is like telling a story about something embarrassing i did not even because i'm embarrassed to do it but like i guess what i'm trying to get at is that Farce has made me experience the same thing that you're talking about um, doing, telling these embarrassing stories has done where just being an outright idiot and being very physical and you have to be, it's vulnerable. Yeah. All forms of comedy are super vulnerable because in order to be, you know, authentic in your stupid movements, you have to lay it all out there and just not hold back and yeah um, and I think part of it is that like I've spent a lot of time like trying to prove myself you know or like being defensive of like my intelligence um you know like being defensive about like my talent my abilities um and um just like my rights <laughs> to exist you know as like a creative artistic person um and then it became like a thing where I was just like oh I don't care anymore I don't care to like prove yeah. myself to people um and if I'm not, and it, it was happening at the same time of like me having these like revelations about like the theater world and like, you know, being like the young actor, actress, um, where I was like, it's okay if like this isn't what somebody else likes, you know, if they don't like this about me, if they don't think I'm talented or if they don't think I'm funny, like that just has, that's just a fact, you know, that mm. they, they might not think that and that's okay because it doesn't have to impact like my own like stuff you know because it's all like like relative and then that bleeds into like regular life too where Mm -hmm. you just start being like i don't know why this person not even that they don't even dislike that that they dislike me but i don't know why we're not able to get on the same level something's not meshing and then you can just be like all right yeah, yeah. Just being me. <laughs> there's so many people in this world so yeah, you know? yeah real exactly. a lot of fish in the sea and something yeah. you were talking about when you're, like as far as your classical training and everything is that making a fool of yourself being okay with that messing up and can you know being okay with messing up not be, and if you don't let yourself be embarrassed then nobody else is going to make you embarrassed about it and to me so it, it seems like another thing you learned is just like being okay with making mistakes and learning from them yeah and i would say like i'd say that like like these are all like revelations i'm having but i'm still like incredibly critical of myself you know so i'm still like learning how to and i think that's part of it is that like me being super self-critical um like to the point where like it's hard for me to watch myself you know like on screen or something um like i think that like just that's like rooted in the fear of not being good enough to somebody's like perspective or yeah. like not being um or embarrassing myself um mm. so like it's a, it's definitely a learning process but i think comedy like helps helps that so you feel like you've gotten better at watching yourself oh yeah i definitely better at watching myself um but i mean it still happened like where i 
you know, I can watch a video of me doing stand-up from, like, a few weeks ago, um, or, like, a month ago, and being like, ooh, that did really well, I can watch it and be satisfied. Two weeks later, I did a stand-up where, like, the crowd was just really weird, and I didn't think I did well, um, and it took me, like, I think, like, at least a couple weeks for me to be able to even watch the video back, um, because I was so, Mm -hmm. like ashamed i guess but then like when i watch it back and when i when i would talk to people that saw me or like watched it i it was not anywhere near like you know it's what never, i thought it was it's never as bad as you think it is yeah that happened with usually with no bears um the like fsc's improv team where i when i auditioned for performance team i literally couldn't even look one of like my zacks <laughs> i couldn't look him in the eye at the time because i thought i was so I always thought I did so bad, and I spent like days after being like, "You just embarrass yourself so much." Like you're like Whoa. that. They think you're not like they like. Wow, that was not a good audition. And then they offered me a spot on performance team, and I was like, uh, "Okay." <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so it wasn't. It was okay. <laughs> I did good. <get. laughs> yeah. So yeah. so far we've established that like you've learned like vulnerability and like being okay with mistakes. Like, acknowledging the learning process i guess and i mean like anything else you think you can highlight that you've learned like from pursuing even um painting because you said you also mentioned that earlier but like you know creative writing comedy theater painting you know is there anything that besides vulnerability and learning from your mistakes anything else you can highlight you think um from learning about that i mean there's just a lot of different things i've learned from those perspectives i think right now i'm like in a moment where trying to just relieve pressure from myself to be this like one thing and so I think that goes into like making mistakes and stuff like that where um where um I thought for a while that if I don't do this one route that like you know if I feel like I need to take a step back if anybody thinks that they like can't handle something in like theater and stuff like that or if um you know, if I deviate from it, then I'm not serious enough and I'm not, um, I'm not cut out for it. Um, but now I'm in a place where I'm like, no, 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 I need to like explore every different like option and just see what like sticks and see what I like. And I'm also like allowed to have hobbies, you know, like, I love that. Yeah. Cause like it was a point in my life where like freshman year, I took like scene painting, like for like the seven week class that I was like, had to take it. And then I decided to take it, um, again like I think like that next fall or something like my sophomore year I took scene painting for the whole semester and in my head I'm just like no no no, this is good like this can be good for your career because you know if you need to you can get a job like if you pursue like scene painting and then I, that was a, a point when I was like or it can just be fun <laughs> you know <laughs> like this doesn't have to be like your like you don't have to do much with this this doesn't have to be like a money revenue thing that you're considering yeah. um like art doesn't have to be like just job based you know so i think that's kind of where i'm like trial and error seeing what i well, like see, that brings up an interesting thing too because i feel like with creative endeavors uh what can start to happen is let's say you're really into film well then watching a film might become work in a way because you start to be like oh. my dad does video production and he has always said like it's fun. It was fun when he first started, and it, he still like always enjoyed it. But eventually, it would turn into like, okay, well now I yes, I'm going to a Rays baseball game, but I'm going there to film things, and it's like it. It's, it's, you know, it can, um, I'm wondering if like, do you 
does that ever happen to you when you're watching either of you because you're both into acting um you're watching a performance or i don't know does do you get like oh my god i'm not tired of it but i don't know how to explain it like you're you're looking at it in like a work mode instead of like it just purely enjoying it or are you mm-hmm. able to balance that i think i'm i think so, i'm so led by like my passions with it though that like that helps so i feel like a lot of times when i watch theater if i really enjoy the performance it's a lot of being like oh, i want to do that you know i want to yeah. be doing that or yeah. like the shows that i like stuff like that however i'm not um like you know a full-time working actor, writer, you know? So I'm not at that point yet where your, yeah, you know, your father is. It's still in, like, very, like, passion-based. Um, mm. But, um, like, I mean, part of it is that, um, you know, experiencing the hard parts of, like, the industry, I think, also, like, kind of changes um, your perspective. Like, just auditioning was, like, so hard <laughs> and, like, difficult. Yeah. And I think we always say that. We say it's hard, but... Um, yeah. And then... And you say, like, you know, rejection, basically. Like, you're going to expect... I know I just deviated from what you <laughs> said. But, um, like, experiencing rejection so much um, is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And so that's the part where I was like, ooh, that's not what I'm passionate about. Mm. Um, so that feels like work. Um, but so, then, yeah. No, it was, so was that one of the challenges or difficulties you were talking about before? You said theater... You were really into it, and all of a sudden, I think you said college hit, and some things happened, and it was very difficult, and then you kind of got into comedy and creative writing because of that? Yeah. It was like, I would say sophomore year was when, because I think, like, you know, when I was in high school, when I was in high school is when I started to even, like, experience, like, I was experiencing rejection for certain things and but it was still just very like so it was very like highs and lows like you get this one thing and then you don't get this and such and like going into college stuff oh like my that. Gosh. and that's um uh, and that was already like an emotional roller coaster because you know in high school theater that's supposed to be everything in your life for some reason even though it's not <laughs> um you know <laughs> and so then like going into fsu um and like you know to, it was set up to the point already where like okay you made it through two rounds of the BFA acting program, um, and then you didn't get the third one, so now you're going to be a BA, and like, okay, that's fine, um, but you know, you kind of feel like you have to prove yourself then, and then sophomore mm. year, I was in, I was in a, like, a film acting class that was, like, very difficult and very hard, and, um, mm. and then, like, that spring, I had this, like, revelation moment, because I was in the fall, and then in the spring, um, I did this, um, not SETC, um, but because I like missed the deadline for that. Um, FTIC or something? It was a really small outdoor theater. <laughs> oh, like, oh, oh, okay, outdoor okay. theater, like regional thing. It was like the same, like it's like a part of SETC, but it's not SETC. Mm. Um, nobody knew about it, but I was like, oh, this is my way of go- doing like a professional regional, um, you know, like audition. Mm. Um, it was in North Carolina. And it was mostly outdoor theaters, um, like uh, summer, um, summer theaters. And um, so I went to it. I drove like ten hours to Greensboro, North Carolina, Dang. and I, you know, by myself. And I was there just like for several days. And it was the first time I'd like taken like a trip by alone, alone, not even like with a friend, um, and like not being in- there with anybody. And then I went to the audition. I was so like nerve-wracked and and I um and I didn't get one call back 
like a single one, you know, because I thought I would get a call back, you know, maybe I don't get like a professional, like, you know, role offered to me, but I, especially since I was thinking this is such a small little, like, audition, there there can't be like, it can't be that um, intense or whatever, didn't get a call back, and I was like, so what am I, what is the point of this, (laughs) you know, like, if I'm just like putting all this like time and money and energy, and I can't even get like, a callback to this one thing, you so know. So much money, I bet. It was, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was like over, definitely over a hundred dollars for like just the Airbnb. Yeah. And then like, and then I got a speeding ticket on my way home <laughs> when I was going <laughs> no. to Asheville, North Carolina, no. just to like have. I was like going to Asheville just to like have a day, you know, to like just be, you know. I was ready to like leave the like l- <laughs> drive away. I was just very like <laughs> mentally um, going crazy. Um, and then I got a speeding ticket, and I was like amazing. <laughs> Um, it said like Chloe Ward versus North Carolina, the state of North Carolina, and like North Carolina is one of my favorite states. You know, it just felt very like, <laughs> wow, okay, this is interesting. Um, and so that was kind of a turning point. Mm. And then on top of like just you know, even like community theater, I would like go to like the local community theater auditions and get callbacks, like make it through the callback round, and then I still wouldn't get a part, and I was like guys what Mm -hmm. is going on um can i just get like one thing but then obviously like like you know especially with like school auditions stuff like that i'm able to get the callbacks i've been able to get the callbacks um but it's always it just felt like to the point where it was like you know and i'd have people be like you're doing really well and stuff but it's like well why can't i get parts you know why Mm -hmm. are people always feeling better like they're better than me um and then what I found in comedy was that I was able to make people laugh and I was able to write well um, in my classes um, to the point where I, I just felt like I could really nurture it um, in a more like safe environment for like my like own mental health and stuff. So, um, mm. so like and, you said, you found your niche. Yeah, I found my niche and that was able, that was a way for me to not feel like you know, I, if I gave up on, like, for me to not give up on theater, but also for me to feel like it's okay to, like, not to change directions. Yeah. I guess. Um, so that isn't to say, like, you know, <laughs> I still feel like, like, I have talent in theater. I definitely yeah. don't think I'm, like, you know, talentless or anything. But um, it helped me, like, you know, be like, okay, well, you're, you know, you're not going to go to musical, to Broadway and pursue musical theater because you can't even, like, do splits, you know? <laughs> so, like, you know, it kind of was like that. Like, okay, maybe not, like, focus on musical theater, maybe focus on acting. Um, and that's still, like, a love that I have. Um, mm. And I felt like as soon as I, I'm rambling, but as soon as I um, um, started to not care as much, like, in the spring, this past spring was when I was like, I'm focusing on writing and comedy, and like, yeah, I'm gonna take some acting classes, yeah, I'm gonna do these virtual auditions, um, but I'd, whatever, you know, I don't care mm. as much. And that was when I got like the most praise, I feel like I've gotten Dude, in a long time. Yes, I was just about like, I used to be the same, well, I'm not gonna say I used to be the same way, but at least I used to be very, God, I used to be so self conscious, mm-hmm. and I'd be like so jealous. And I remember, oh, perfect example because you're involved in this, example, but. <laughs> So like, got into theater in high school. Originally, I was a wrestler, and then, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and then went into theater, and then like, you know, I got I was able I got a couple roles in like uh, in a couple plays like the end of my junior year or the end of my sophomore year, beginning of my junior year, and I was like, oh yeah, and I was definitely riding this wave like, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. really cool. And then Cinderella was coming up, 
and everyone is auditioning for it. Ted and I end up auditioning for the same role. And, you know, in my, I'm, if I haven't been completely transparent about this yet, this is me doing it in front of Ted. <laughs> but, like, I remember me being like, oh, yeah, no, like, helping out. Like, so happy she got the part or whatever. But in my head, I was like, I'm going to get the part. Yeah. I'm like, I've, I've gotten these roles. I'm going to get the part. Lo and behold, Ted is cast as Jean-Michel. He just nails the callbacks. I mean, he did such a great job. I'm cast in the dance ensemble. But it's, I mean... It's, it was an intense amount of work and everything, but God, it knocked me down a few pegs, dude. Because I was like, I was expecting such, like, I was expecting something. I didn't get what I was expecting, but then the experience in total, it was like, it kind of reinvigorated, it like, kind of made me realize that there are more things to love about theater than like being in the spotlight, mm -hmm. I guess. And I noticed that that was the first lesson that I learned, not that I've completely learned it, because it's just being in the business in general, yeah. but I mean, first reminder that I got that the business is just, like you mm -hmm. said, peaks and valleys and peaks and valleys and over and over and over again. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to go into a career that is, and it's not competitive or anything, like we're not competing against each other, but it's like, it's so selective that you can't guarantee if you fit this look, if you're this height, if you're this weight, mm -hmm. you know, if like, you know, if you're the skin color, if, you know, if mm -hmm. your voice is, fits this range or whatever. And it's like, there's so much unpredictability when it comes to it. And I, you know, and I was like, I was like taking it so seriously. And, ugh. Mm -hmm. and then like, I don't know when it happened. I think, cause I remember I got to college and I was pretty nervous and everything, but I remember just like, I don't know. I just, rem I think it came from like me watching, I was probably just recently within this past year, but me watching a lot of like <laughs> GQ videos, like mm -hmm. actors on actors, mm -hmm. and like, you know, people like breaking down their career. And so many of them were like, man, I started enjoying myself or things really got good when I stopped taking everything so seriously. And I really just like remembered that I was having fun and mm -hmm. everything. And I was like, oh my God, like, what, like why am I? Because, like, I don't, just auditioning, like you said, auditions alone are so nerve-wracking, you know? And I found that I, I would say, like, this is kind of, like, my niche. And mm -hmm. now I know that because I acknowledge that the business is so, you know, up and down and up and down, it's like, I'm so glad, I guess I can empathize with you, mm -hmm. that you found your niche as well. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm also glad that you're still you still found that love for theater mm -hmm. while pursuing your niche yeah you know? and it's like it, they compounded one another instead of separating themselves yeah you know, no cool. yeah it's definitely been very helpful um because i think like yeah if you um it gets to the point where it's like um you know okay so if i'm not in the spotlight um shouldn't i still enjoy you know like watching theater and shouldn't i still enjoy like being a part of the process in general um, and that's true. And if I'm in the spotlight, that's great as well. <laughs> um, but also, like, with auditioning and stuff like that, um, if it gets to the point where I'm just so overcome with anxiety that it just, like, basically <sighs> takes over myself, <laughs> you know? Uh, I hate it, man. I hate <laughs> it. <laughs> but to the point where, like, now it's, like, I, I feel like I can better um, go in there with just um, trying to make auditions and like callbacks like fun as well just mm -hmm. a part of like the theater making process and less about like um if i don't get this i will die <laughs> you know <laughs> so like you know my life depends on <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's what it felt like it felt like you For know real. yeah like your social standing in the theater and everything uh. <laughs> like, especially in high school after, like, after getting a couple leads and everyone's like oh yeah Caleb. 
and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I'm in the dance ensemble. I have to do so much work for this, but the show isn't about me, and I have to be okay with yeah, that. Yeah, and you, you have know? to be okay with that. Yeah, and it also taught me, like, every role and every production is so integral to bringing out the entire production in its full capacity, you know? And it's like, if there's one weak link, that's going to stand out more than mm-hmm. the lead who's hitting all those high notes mm-hmm. or whatever, you mm-hmm. know, or making you cry. If there's not one ensemble member who's just like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you're going to be staring at that guy yeah. in the audience probably the whole time, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I just, that gave me an appreciation for how much work goes into mm-hmm. making any small theater produ- mm-hmm. I mean even just the, let's just stick to the arts in general I yeah mean, like, I feel like being an art actually I would love for you to speak to this have you found that being an artist has made you like kind of a perfectionist or maybe you started out that way and you let it go because I know being in the arts and something especially trying to start this podcast I was I am such a perfectionist mm-hmm. and it's really hard for me to like let go of small like those things being a little crooked yeah. behind me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have put those up. Yeah. Like, I have to let it go because it was like fourth times the charm that we put those up. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like, what do you think? Yeah, well, the critic inside me is just so ruthless, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, um, I feel like at some point it's almost like, you know, it can get to the point where you're just waiting for yourself to fail, you know, to like point mm. it out. Um, and, and I, and I, and hyper fixating on like what didn't work. And then I would, and I would find that if like, you know, with like, even when we go to like the premieres and stuff like that, is that like, I'll start talking, I'll talk to people, people feel, people will say with my stand up or anything that I'm doing a performance, any like film, tele- whatever it is, I will hyper fixate on the parts that I don't like and then I will I will talk to people about them they'll be like oh my gosh it was so good you know that was such a great um set and I'll be like yeah here's what went wrong but it's not normally like that you know as if it's like me being more self-aware but it's not actually it's just me trying to like well it also it comes across as like uh almost so like fishing also like kind of almost like sometimes you're fishing for like yeah compliments at least i get i feel like sometimes people mistake my self-consciousness for like narcissism like Uh hey like but i'm genuinely like was this good you know (laughs) and like people and when people say it people say it that might bring like temporary comfort but if i'm not actually like happy with it it doesn't matter you know because i i I just won't believe them you know um so that literally happened where where i where you know I was telling people, I was like, yeah, like, they, like, you know, they said that, like, I did really well, but I don't know if that was, you know, they might have just been saying that instead of just yeah. taking the compliment yeah. and also not letting, like, anybody's perspective, like, or anybody's, like, perception of it, um, like, affect me, but also mm-hmm. trying to learn that, like, you know, I'm allowed to, I am allowed to, like, not have everything be perfect and still be, like, a good body of work as mm-hmm. a whole. And if it's not whatever <laughs> it's Thanks. interesting to hear you guys talk about it because i think like through the art that i've pursued i've become less of a perfectionist not that i was ever a perfectionist per se but i became less i've become much less anxious about um well i guess you guys are saying you've become less anxious but what i'm saying is you know um through my own art i've become way less worried about the final product and much more like on a very micro scale, this is what I was thinking about 
because I do, I'm in Friday Night Live. I was in Friday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Not anymore because I graduated. And um, on a micro level, like that sketch that I was in where I was the office man, basically when you're on, when I'm on camera like that, like I used to get so focused on, I need to deliver this line perfectly and in the way that it's intended. And of course, like I want to do that, but the more I would think about it, well, then the less I would deliver on that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whereas especially in this last sketch that i the last two that i was in i kind of was just went into it being like i'm just gonna have fun with this and like deliver the li- I, I would keep finding ways to like make it fun for me instead mm-hmm. of it being like i need it to be this way i would just mm-hmm. be like how can i how can ted make himself what would be funny to me right now yeah yeah and it's an interesting like line between um I don't know, figuring out, because I feel like in rehearsals and stuff like that, and or at writing, like, you know, at writing meetings, um, when we're pitching and, like, uh, doing table reads, um, or, like, in rehearsal, like, I'm able to accept criticism very easily without, like, having it affect me, you know what I mean? I'm able to make rewrites or make changes in my acting and not have it be personal, but then when it gets to, like, now a camera's in front of you or, like, now people are judging you on that performance, (laughs) then all of a sudden it becomes, like, so deeply personal um, and not just, like, a part of that process as well. Well, here's another thing, and I won't... I don't want to, like, go too far into FNL's writing process, but... Just, I guess, writing process in general with, like, because you've had creative writing classes where mm-hmm. you have workshops, and mm-hmm. I mean, you guys do workshops, too, for acting. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I have felt like in any setting like that, it can become a lot about people, when they give feedback, it becomes a lot about them being like, let me flex my muscles here a little bit and show you how good I am mm-hmm. at this particular thing, instead of it being like, what can we do to make your piece poetry is what comes to mind first because in all my classes um the professors did a great job at being like okay i see what your style is here how can we elevate Mm -hmm. your style whereas a lot and i think it's just a product of people being young potentially and Mm -hmm. they they oftentimes they go in with the approach of how can i make this more how i would see it going yeah that's it that's <laughs> you know great what to, I mean? yeah because i think i've gotten it's gotten to the point of just being like the person you know i think it is a lot of the young aspect of like i don't get it so how can i get it more <laughs> you know like right. how can i how can you um change this this poem this joke this you know script so that i understand it more and that it it you know goes to my own likings you know right um so poetry i think it was a lot more of like this line doesn't make sense to me i do not understand that so why don't you make it this this makes sense to me or like the joke being like i don't like that joke um yeah so you know (laughs) make it funnier yeah and i feel like the best feedback is always um at least the best feedback i've ever received is always like maybe you can make this word not it's not one of those things that's like change this word this is the bad this is not just just kind of being like how can you elevate it further how can you make it and sometimes that can almost be like reverse psychology to where the person is like oh this is bad i'm gonna get rid of this and then Hmm. but if in comedy for instance if somebody's trying to make a joke you know you might be able to be like how can you take this I, I'm, I'm always with art I always feel like let's go 
let's just try it. And if it doesn't work, we can always go back to where we were. Mm-hmm. try again you know what I mean yeah, yeah. that's a good perspective um I feel like I'm not necessarily and I'm still learning I think how to do that as well because I'll still be like that you know I mean criticism is sometimes saying um this maybe this this needs to change here you know but that still can be in the per- in line yeah <laughs> I was like, this yeah. is terrible <laughs> stuff go back to the drawing board but you know like this needs yeah. to change because this is hindering something um and this, if you change this, this will elevate it, you know, yeah, by, yeah, like, yeah. absence or whatever. This makes me, I'm very curious then, because how do you as comedians deal with treating something that's funny, object, like, in an objective way? How do you, how do you not step on somebody's toes? Like, what if somebody does something that's just not funny? Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support us even more and our goal to promote open conversation and active hope, consider donating to our Patreon. With your monthly pledge, you'll have the opportunity to get early access to episodes, have a shout out on the show, and even snag some merch. Feel free to check us out on Instagram and Facebook for even more content. This show is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Now, back to the episode. You know what I'm saying? I like, think, how do you go about... Can I, I'll, can I answer yeah, real quick? I, I think it's one of those things, um, at least in my opinion, that isn't super explained. It's not super tangible. And I, I hate to say this, but I think there is a level of... Not that you can't... Not that nobody... I think everybody has the capacity to be funny, but some people just don't get there's a really specific mindset for comedy and you're saying how can you be objective it's like it's the same brain that you use when you're in um like a really serious setting and you and you start making fun of it Mm. there's people that just don't do that yeah and i think that if you're able to make fun of that situation that's not the only indication but like Larry David comes to mind because the way he would Larry David wrote Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. The, okay, okay. People always say on set he would be like he would very serious and somebody would do something that they like are ad-libbing in the script and he's like that was funny. That was funny. Do that again. That made the scene way better. Okay. So it's a very objective way of looking at it and I think it's just kind of Underst- I don't even know how to explain well, it. You could probably explain it better. I mean, the vo- the way that I think, like, what I'm seeing is that um, we I think we all kind of start out with this, like, untangible, like, perspective of, like, um, what made somebody laugh in the room. You know, that's, like, you, you kind of take, like, outside indicators. This made me laugh. That made someone else laugh. This is funny um, in a more, like... Um, like on you're not able to like pinpoint it but you just know that this is like yeah. silly or goofy or like whatever is going on or unexpected ironic but now i'm like trying to learn more of like the technical the um like yeah the actual craft of it um because there is like technicality and there is like a like you know a very specific um like yeah learning curve there mm-hmm. is to comedy and so now i think um i know that like something can um 
be like you, you know and you know like an equation almost um like hmm. we know how to like change comedy or like craft it so that it can't and i know you don't love equations necessarily. no well, I, I was gonna say i i'm resistant to to the equations sometimes but i but i understand their merit and i actually i I think it helps want us learn. to learn more about them. I think mm. it helps us like be able to know the basics. Well, right, and I think with every so this is an form, actual concept. Well, there's like an the equation. rule. There's like the well, rule of thirds. I say like comedy. equation, yeah, like in the sense of like you know set up joke and like or like yeah rule of thirds like like the best we did a that sketch where you watched Caleb with in FNL the whole good cop bad cop and then like the weird guy. <laughs> That's like a good rule of thirds. You have like two things that I don't even know the rule of thirds. Can you explain it better? I'm not even that well versed in all of the craft. Um, well, I'm not either. I like I got a book for my birthday, you know, <laughs> on comedy. You know, learning like exactly what makes something funny because that is what I'm so interested in. But like, mm -hmm. just an example would be, um, you know, like th something in threes is funny because like you know it happens the first time um and and like there's that the joke the unexpectedness the irony um and that's funny second time it's like okay now it's repetition so now we're seeing like it's funny because it's being repeated and the third time should be the most elevated and the most um like almost go a different direction everything has to be elevated um and so the third time i don't know if it makes sense the third time it needs to be something a little different than the first and second time okay. um and also has to have the most elevation and then that way um it's like just a nice sweet spot so if you did four four can be funny um but it might be harder to be funny because then it's just now it, now you're just repeating it repeating it repeating it and the joke gets old and right. then two is funny but one more time will just make it like the perfect It'll like button. Okay. It's the same idea, once again, going to a micro level. When me and you make stupid noises at each other, every single time we do it, it's getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And that's the whole, it's like the rule of thirds right there. Like we keep making it more and more intense. Okay. Now, and that's like the most like basic, basic way of doing basic, it. Yes, that like is extremely basic. Now there is so much more like, um, technicalities about like comedy and script writing and stuff like that um hmm. and sitcoms in general um but yeah i don't know why we were talking about this well, but like my point is i want to learn more <laughs> <laughs> well i just i'm very because i have so far in my education i have learned when i first heard it i was like no but now i've at least through my own experience i have i think there's definitely some merit to it but Gene told us that there's no difference between comedy and drama. Like, and we, and I was like, what? And it was like, just as your approach to it as an actor and everything, and I want to hear your perspective on it. My perspective, I have found that before my comedy, because I don't do comedy anymore. I'm mm -hmm. just be very upfront about that. I don't find my, like, I'm not going to sit here and say that I can make other people laugh. Mm -hmm. In high school, when I was basically just doing stuff with you, it was, I tended to, like, lean toward caricatures. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, like, or whatever, like, very physical humor and everything like that. And then when I got into college, something shifted. I don't know if it was, like, oh, it's my craft or something. Mm -hmm. But I started taking, I started even though I said something <laughs> contradictory to this before, like I started taking things less seriously as time mm -hmm. went on, I did start taking the process of, I guess, preparing whatever more seriously. And I, and I, always, I always treat 
my characters, whether they're supposed to be a villain or whether they're supposed to be the comedic relief, like they are taking their stuff the most seriously out of anybody. And I've found that, like, I just recently did like a self-tape exercise thing for mm-hmm. an acting for the camera class. Mm-hmm. And when I was auditioning and when I was preparing it, like, I was super emotional. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I, it really hurt me, like, in the scene and everything like that, you know. And when we did the actual scene, I mean, I was feeling it. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm really, mm-hmm. you know, whatever I'm doing. Yeah. And then later in class, we're watching in front of literally everybody. And, of course, <laughs> yeah. it's nerve-wracking. But yeah. then they watch it, and moments that I had, I did not set up to be funny. I did not even think, like, I did not c- cultivate it to be funny. It made them, uh, my classmates, of course, so they know me, so there's definitely that helping me, but they laughed really hard, and I was so confused. I was like, I'm not trying to be funny. I was, I'm being serious, but it was the situation, it was the writing behind the scene, uh-huh. and the fact that my character was taking, literally, the whole scene is based on him. I forget what movie it's from, but he plays a tomato. Like, uh-huh. his agent wants him to get a part as a tomato. Right. And, or he did at some point, and he talks about how seriously he took playing that tomato. And he uh-huh. was like, I was a stand-up tomato, a juicy, sexy, beefsteak tomato. Yeah. Like, really going in for it. But when I prepared that scene, I was like, man, this guy really loves tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then later on, it's like everybody's laughing at how silly the situation is, but how seriously I was taking it. So I guess on top of... The question of whether or not you think there's any difference between your approach or your performance of comedy and drama. Um, do you think that? In, do you think? I, yeah, I'll just stick with that. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with that because I think that's enough. Yeah. What do you think? That, is there any difference? Have you found there to be a difference? Yeah, there is. I see. I know exactly what you're talking about um, because there is such. There is still like a weird mindset I feel like it, when you're young and still learning that like drama is like the very serious aspect and comedy is not mm. and while comedy is um should be taken seriously you know as a craft and such um I've always been interested in how like that like the theater school like talks about comedy because it's different than they're not actually like a part of like the com like comedy comedy you know what I mean yeah, like no, it's no. more like within like theater and like yeah. you know film and television just like being an actor and like how do you approach a comedic scene or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. um and I agree that it should be taken um as seriously as you do drama um but um I also feel like sometimes you know this is getting so meta I feel like but you know <laughs> you're taking yourself too seriously you know yeah. and I like how comedy is still mm-hmm. like just more of like a silly process to like um you know like how how to make this the funniest that's why i like writing i mean that's why i'm sure a lot of people like writing characters for themselves because they mm-hmm. know their brain and they know how they want to like <laughs> yeah. elevate themselves you know for it to be like sillier and funny um kind of going back to how you wrote those characters that i spoke about yeah and yeah it just kind of like it's since like it came my from voice. your brain yeah. it just kind of came out of you yeah yeah and so um I think that for me, there's still a separation between drama and comedy. Honestly, though, like, I haven't really had that many, like, opportunity. I feel like so much of theater is serious, you know, as, like, a student. A lot of what we do is drama. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I feel like it's because everybody else doesn't, or at least from my experience, the majority of other people, when you say it's like, oh, yeah, I'm a theater major, I can almost immediately tell that it's like, 
oh, okay, I see. So how are you going to make money? Yeah. So I feel like when we're in it studying it, it's like, we're going to take it super seriously. Yeah. And proving everybody wrong. And how to be like, and being the best actor is so much about like, I'm going to cry right now and you're going to watch it, you know? (laughs) I can't do that. I can't do that. (laughs) Me too. I'm like, what about Uh, my, like, what if I can't like produce tears instantly, you know? No, I totally get that. That's, yeah. (laughs) But um, people like, you know, having that mindset of how to make something the most like emotional. That's also why I love sitcoms because um, um, I feel like I love like subtle drama or you like something that's like so subtle and like holding back um and kind of turning away from like if i just scream and yell and cry like then that's like the best way to like go about this like character or something mm-hmm. you know well, it's um, also a little more realistic i think yeah and um but like i've also learned um from like acting classes like where they say you know that like you know holding back is more interesting than, like, letting it all go, you know? Mm-hmm. Because that, like, speaks more true yes. to, like, yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. people. And so I think that um, has influenced the kind of parts that I, or scenes that I like to do. Because, yeah. um, like, that's what we do in real life most of the time. Yeah. That's what I found. It's like, we're not all, we don't all just, like, unload every. It's like, this is me, you know? Yeah, it's like, yeah, we, yeah. We, it's like, this is the version of myself that, that I'm, I'm giving showing, you right that now. I'm giving you, and yeah. based on this circumstance, like this is how I'm gonna act. You know, mm-hmm. and it's like if someone, like it's like for example, if you're trying to ask somebody out, you're not gonna be like, "Will you go out with me?" <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's like so. What are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like there is that vulnerability and nervousness um, that like you're you're able to like show um, as like a person as well as like within a character. Um, so yeah, I'm still definitely figuring out the differences because in that way, I think that's how both, both areas are separate. Um, because my, the way that I go about comedy is so much more, it's just me being able to put my own brain and my own self as like Mm. a creative writing person and like a collaborator, Mm. um, to like make parts funny and like so much of it's improv sketch, um, stand up all together. And then like, you know, I, but I do want to like learn more about like how to that's why taking the farce part of pre-modern was so interesting because it's like let me take all these like technical stuff that i have and like now transpire it or trans transfer it to um comedy like Mm -hmm. in theater and stuff like that um and it is and it is like very similar if you're just like committing all the way um that's great (laughs) you know and that'll like help in drama and in comedy yeah i feel like they're not I mean, they definitely are interchangeable. They're not interchangeable. I feel like they are separate because they have different... Um, drama has different... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I'm going to have to like cut this to be shorter now. <laughs> what's the word that it is? Uh, uh, I can't think of it. I can't think of it. Anyway, what? Dramatic. Drama has different like tools. I can't think of the word. But like, there's different tools you have to use in a drama setting and different tools you have to use in a comedy setting. Hmm. But I often feel like, and I kind of said it at the beginning of the podcast with Steve Carell, it's like, I always yeah. find the most hilarious comedy to be when the person is taking it so serious. Like, that's they what, are, I guess that's but, what I was but talking not, about. Yeah. I guess when I say the person, I don't mean like the actor is sitting there being like, I have to be funny. No, but the person that the they're making playing. the character yeah. believe everything that's going on, and that's why it makes me like they're wholeheartedly this because weird. they're because they're not saying, um, 
like you know there's no like wink to the camera like this is funny right here what you're watching you know it's being like you know we're all kind of in on it because we're seeing somebody take something so seriously but they have all these weird quirks about them you know what i mean or like the thing they're taking so seriously is funny to like a modern setting um but like i feel like the tools are can be pretty similar honestly um with drama and comedy like you know just how do you be an actor how do you go about how do you make a believable uh performance um but obviously like drama a lot of times is more well no it's you know like characters might be more based in realism versus like comedy you know you might have more absurd characters mm-hmm. um but also that's not true i don't know it's all like intersected all, as well because so comedy can be in realism and it's drama very can be subjective. absurd that's you know what, that, and that's yeah. why i kind of that's why i asked that question because at first i was like no but yeah. then as we kept talking about it, like there was so much nuance with it. it but is. one truth, I think, <laughs> whatever that is, <laughs> yeah. that I have found when it comes to either or is that it, they're very based in the writing, no matter what. Uh-huh. You know, and I think that's I think that's what again. This I am not very exemplary of the acting program in general. I think <laughs> I have a very unique perspective, whatever. And mm-hmm. to answer your question earlier, you very or your statement, you were like, it's very interesting to hear how the school of theater approaches this and talks Mm -hmm. about comedy and everything because they really there is no agreed upon there's no like general consensus of like oh this is how you're supposed to act Mm -hmm. here you go yeah you know it's like it's every teacher has their own thing and they emphasize those things Mm -hmm. so like and you know it also happens like you said or like we have said many times it's like i think it it has to do with for you guys at least being young coming Mm -hmm. in and it's like figuring things out and i think like my freshman year, we focused on just, like, again, letting those emotions go. Like, slam on the table, yelling them, like, bringing it up to bring it down. Mm-hmm. Because it's always harder to to bring the emotional intensity up than mm-hmm. it is to, like, it's like, okay, you did great. You just yelled at the top of your lungs. And yeah. now take that same energy so and put it. it into a whisper. Yeah. You know? And it's like, I found those to be very helpful. But I just, I know that from the writing in comedy and drama, I know that it's like either way we're heavily reliant on it. And I know mm-hmm. that with comedy and with drama too, <laughs> more nuanced, yeah. but it's like it, improv does get involved. But I'm wondering, because you are also a writer, mm-hmm. so how do you, because it's like in a way you are improv, because it's like <laughs> you're creating the script that you abide by. So how do you, how? <laughs> I don't know, man. How to, like, write? Like, comedy or I mean, what? No, I just, because I know that it's so dependent on the writing. Mm-hmm. So you have to be thinking about it, because as right. an actor, you're only thinking about it from one perspective. Yeah. You're thinking about it from that person's perspective, whoever you're playing, that character. Mm-hmm. But it's like, so I feel like saying. as a comedian, it's like you're having to write from an audience perspective, from the writer's yeah. perspective. From the, I see. Just the, the performer's perspective in general, and it's like, and at times, that comedy involves taking an outside perspective of everything mm-hmm. else. So I just, how do yeah. you approach that? Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support us even more in our goal to promote open conversation and active hope, consider donating to our Patreon. With your monthly pledge, you'll have the opportunity to get early access to episodes, have a shout out on the show, and even snag some merch. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook for even more content. This show is made possible by the support of listeners like you. Now, back to the episode. Um, I mean, like, 
I think um, I think that is that is the part with like that's that differentiates from like me just doing theater solely is that like once I started double majoring and stuff like that I saw myself as like a writer actor comedian like all in one um, and so um, I feel more like instead of like I have this one goal of just like I'm acting this thing or I'm writing this thing I'm creating this certain like piece of of comedy or art or whatever um and so um I don't know I feel like I'm just like I I put myself so much in the center of what I'm doing um that doesn't mean that I'm like making myself have to I have have, have to have a role or something in this like sketch or whatever mm-hmm. um but so much of it is like reliant on like my own perspective um and like you know what I can like what kind of comedy like interests me and stuff like that so um a lot of it is just like um, you know I don't know how to say this. This is kind of like hard to like dissect exactly what happens in my Definitely brain. Definitely a loaded question. Yeah, <laughs> but like you know I I think something's funny and then I like play around with it and then yeah. I start like talking to myself and suddenly I'm like pretending like I'm that character like alone while I'm like you know cleaning or whatever mm-hmm. and then and then I'm thinking as a writer like how to enhance the scene but also like what is the actor doing. Um, and so it's kind of like a whole three D model so of like whole, yeah of like the whole the whole thing as a, like a body of work um, Whoa. yeah I guess <laughs> I've always felt that writing is like acting because mm-hmm. even writing fiction I do the same thing with writing a sketch or writing like a fiction piece where I'll write a character like the other day I was writing in my room and I was writing for this like old man character and I started reading the lines out loud like just trying to get a feel for who the guy was and then in that way I could start to write him better so it's I it's I think you know when you're writing comedy it's Chloe literally said it you just find something that makes you laugh Mm. like for me that vendor sketch I was just like I think it'd be funny as hell if these two loud bear bear guys who Mm. walk around this day and started yelling at each other and just trying to outsell each other yeah and then from there i was like okay i'll write this and just write stupid jokes that make me laugh like that's why that sea dog joke is in there because i was <laughs> like that made that just is silly to me yeah um no i know so much of it has been like i feel like there's times where it's like maybe not this joke and i'm just like no 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 I like that. I like that. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna take that then you need this or whatever but i think that's also why i like so much it's not to be like we need to talk about feminism, but I've noticed how like um, you know so much of um, like you know even in the writers' room in FNL, it just like you know a lot of the like funny characters are men, men. Um, mm. and not that I'm saying like come on guys, but it's just because it's like a lot of them are men. Well, no, it's a real and, thing. You know, and so like I write. Um, like, I liked, I, I feel like a lot of, like, my comedy revolves around, you know, like, a young woman who's embarrassed, <laughs> you know, yeah. and likes to just, like, be um, silly, but also try to be put together, and that's a lot of, like, what, um, since that's me as a person, like, that shapes mm-hmm. a lot of the characters and, like, what I'm writing about, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, I'm glad that you bring that up, because, I mean... Not that we have to talk about them. But, <laughs> but I just, I, being two men and having a podcast where it's like, we want to hear from anybody and everybody. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm trying to be so careful to not 
you know, I'm not gonna like I from my understanding from my understanding of feminism, all it is is women are equal to men. Mm-hmm. At least uh, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but it's like so I'm just like okay, so I need to I'm striving to get all of those equal perspectives because I can I can see what you're saying because if all of if you go into something and the majority of the funny characters are all men, it immediately gives you at least being a woman, I'm sure a negative connotation of maybe the comedy group, the type of comedy, whatever it is, maybe the characters. And it's like, well, I want to be a writer. I'm going to give my perspective now. And it's yeah. like, I think it's so easy, at least for me, it's like, because I have majority of my friends are guys. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I'm just going to have all my friends on the podcast. But it's like, we have a bi-weekly release ge- schedule. Mm-hmm. We started out with three, mm-hmm. and then the next three episodes are guys. So it's yeah. six weeks of only guys. Yeah. You know? So I was yeah. like, we've got to have a woman on. Yeah. You know? And it's like. We should just do the next, like, five episodes should be women. That's what. Yeah. And then it's like, but then I don't want the men to be like, oh, it's all women. <laughs> you know, so, well, it's you know just, what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, like, I think it does get kind of heady. But, like, as long as you're making, like, a conscious, even, like, effort. We're thinking to, like, about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, it gets to that point where it's like, I don't think, like, people in FNL are, like, women aren't funny, so I'm not no. going to write. You know, it's just, like, it's, it's just about making, like, space and room for that perspective. And that's what happened with, like, you know, that H&M sketch, like, that mm-hmm. I um, wrote where... I was getting to a point with, like, comedy stuff like that, um, and this is no, like, drag to, like, anybody, but um, I was just like, okay, I'm not getting cast in, like, comedic roles right now, um, and that's fine, but um, I'm playing, like, a straight man a lot of things, or I'm doing a lot of more, like, dramatic, or just, like, you know... Oh my god, stra- what are you doing? Yeah, like, the straight man character. <laughs> this <is> like, funny <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, that kind of, um, uh, like, person, and so I was like, well, then I'll just write a sketch where, like, I'll just write a sketch and I'll make, because even I was doing it where I had that National Treasure sketch and then I took a second where I was like, wait a minute, I'm saying this, you know, I want more funny women characters, and I just wrote the man as the funny one, you know, because I only see him as being the funny one, but then, Mm. like, I was thinking more about it, and I was like, okay, H&M sketch, yeah, it's a woman, Um, she's silly because it's a woman, because I think it's going to be, I would want it to be me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and then it got chosen, and so I was like, to, like, make, and I was like, (laughs) ha-ha, if you're not going to cast me in it, then I'll just cast myself, (laughs) I'll make the Hmm. part for myself. (laughs) In a way, like, kind of, Again, in a way, coming full circle, it's like from what we were talking about earlier. My original question was comedy, and it's like, or at least my my perspective on comedy was like, oh yeah, comedians are sort of integral society because they bring things that people normally sweep under the rug. And as we've been talking to the forefront, at least of whatever you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But it's like as we've been talking about this, it seems like no matter the comedian. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's just them reflecting on their life. They chose what they thought was funny, and they decided to reiterate that and make it funnier. And it's and in a way, it's just like they were reflecting on their human. At least in my perspective, they were reflecting on their humanity. It's just like if something's serious, and they have the ability to laugh mm-hmm. at that, you know. And it's like, <laughs> and then they say it. Let's say, like I know Bill Burr. He's a comedian. He's mm-hmm. like he's very like. You know, he sometimes he he at least before definitely he loved pushing people's buttons. Mm-hmm. You know, but I guess in a way it's like it fed something in me. It's like I also thought that same thing and mm-hmm. I laughed my butt off when I heard it. And it's like yeah. it seems like it's 
again, correct me if I'm wrong if you have a different perspective, but it's like it seems like comedians are just kind of like, no matter the perspective, and that can change in so many ways, they're just kind of like reflecting on well, their life. I think it's all about how you look at it because any art, every single piece of art, whether it's comedy or drama or, or poetry, it's going to reflect the world because that's all we have to reflect off of. Yeah. But I guess what I'm trying to say is I think it all depends on if you want to look at Bill Burr and be like, he's touching on things that I think about all the time, then you can. But you can. there's probably plenty of people who just look at Bill Burr and are like, he's funny because he's saying yes. things funny. Yeah, um, yes. And I just, and, and that's not to discredit what you're saying. I guess what I'm saying is I think it all depends on what the audience is wants to get out of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? But either way, the com- it seems like either way the comedian is like, either, you know, they, they say, well, again, this is all jokes. Like, yeah. I'm joking up here. Yeah. But it, like, yeah. you kind of know that they're giving their two cents on a situation. Sometimes they are. Basically. They are. And I think that that's a big responsibility as well, though. Because yeah. if you are giving your two cents, it almost, like, can sometimes be, like, and I, it's okay because I'm I'm saying it to a bunch of people or you know whatever, and now they are all thinking, oh my gosh, I thought that thought too, and, then, and it was good enough to be said aloud to on a stage. So I kind you know, I think it can to, shape your perspective. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, see, yeah, like for me, I um, that's why I'm just very cautious about that. Yeah. Um, because I don't think every thought that you have in your head needs to be like spoken about. I agree. You know? <laughs> and so like and so that's why, you know, yeah, I love things where you can take this one thing and be like, look at how it's funny and you probably, you know, I'm bringing something up that's like funny about this that you would have norm- like I have a bunch of jo- like <laughs> working jokes about pickup trucks, you know, because <laughs> I think they're funny, but like when you see a pickup truck, you're not necessarily like Hey, look at this guy, you know? (laughs) Um, But yeah, like for Bill Burr, like, um, you know, he's been a respected comedian. But for me, I'm just like Amy Poehler, A.D. Bryant, you know, like Mm -hmm. Kristen Wiig, um, Vanessa Bayer. Like, these are the people that I'm like, that remind me so much of myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is that very like, you know, little kid perspective of like, that's me on this, you know, on the screen. (laughs) So that's showing me that like, you know, what like my comedy is also valid in that way you know hmm. so it's being like worked on definitely mm-hmm. hmm. definitely i love that <laughs> well i'm so it seems like i mean you've obviously learned a lot from pursuing mm-hmm. whatever you've chosen to pursue i mean like i guess the main avenues that we've touched on basically because we haven't really talked about painting or art like that specific physical art form but i mean like through theater and comedy and creative writing it's i mean it seems like you learned a lot and you changed a lot too. I mean, like, to, at least from me, you just, it seems like since when you began to now, you're just a lot more relaxed. I didn't know who you were before. But yeah. It seems like you're very relaxed and like comfortable with your art form. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess. More confident. I even feel like in the short, I feel like I've, I've only known you, what, for like maybe a year now? And mm-hmm. I feel like. A year and a half. A year and a half. I feel like you've gotten much more A, outspoken, B, confident just more comfortable with yourself yeah but i think that also is um i don't know if you're trying to wrap it up <laughs> just not to, trying to wrap it okay. up no, oh, no. <laughs> and this is chloe <laughs> no. see you next week but i think a part of that is that um i mean like that's just a part of myself though as well is that um i think it's funny how like i in comedy so with that like at writing meetings i just will be a blank slate of a person um until i become more confident 
Um, so I'll like give you the sketch and be like, here's the sketch. I well, plus it. you have to you get know? acclimated to the people around yeah, you. Yeah, you know, it's but that's like a more like quiet social ladder, you know. Yeah. Um, of learning, being more comfortable. But I have been, I think. But no, there is for my own self. I yeah. think. I mean, there's, I think. <laughs> that your body language and I just feel like yeah. you carry yourself a little differently than when I. I think so. First well, met you, and I'm, that's probably yeah. due to a lot of different things. I it mean, is being more comfortable, like we're closer as friends. You're closer to the, to yeah. the people that our mutual friend, you know what I mean? Well, but, I met I met with a friend from high school recently and she told me that like um even when her and my other like her and my other friend from high school, they saw me after like they hadn't seen me for a while um of me like be, of us being in college and then she's like, "Yeah, you were you just were so different yeah. like of what you like seemed like even like, you know, a year or two years before that, That's just good. in how I like carried myself." And I think they even said like it was because I was more like relaxed and like comfortable with just yeah. like carrying myself, mm, you know. So, so it far, is a good thing. <laughs> it has not mattered who we've spoken to so far. I know this is only episode five, but it's like every episode proves right that people can change. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I just feel like again, I'm only meeting you now. But yeah, <laughs> it's like when people when people tell you, it's like, oh my gosh, you were so different. That means that you have changed as a person. Mm-hmm. And I hate that saying. It's like. Eh, people don't change. People mm-hmm. never change or whatever. And it's like, I feel like they do, you know? And, yeah. And I feel, it's just, I don't know, it's so cool. Yeah. Um, and it's like, have you found that, um, I guess, from all of these changes that have happened, like, has it has anything brought you hope? Or if not, does anything bring you hope in the world, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think everything. <laughs> I am, like, a very, like, optimism gets me through, um, mm-hmm. and so, like, I mean, Ted knows this, but I'm also religious, and so that definitely, like, impacts, mm. impacts my life, like, heavily in, like, having faith, um. What is your faith, if I may ask? Uh, I'm an Episcopalian, um, oh, cool. which is, yeah, a denomination of Christianity, um, cool. yeah, it's very liberal, but, um, still very, uh, uh, like we've had many talks about this but um it just like makes me makes me feel hopeful um and like comforted um and like how to um you know i don't know make the good and of the good side of my my own being and like the good side of the world um be like the main focus i guess and then with comedy and like theater and performance like that like having um like just um not putting so much pressure on the negative sides of those like the the, the industry and just thinking about how to like hopefully make somebody laugh or smile in the future and having that be like the just the goal i guess (laughs) um yeah i'm I'm very because i'm now i want to jump on this now just i want to ask you one quick question yeah um just because you're our first practicing christian oh yeah on the show so far because so far we've had a Buddhist, an agnostic, a militant atheist, and uh-huh. Lucas is just kind of like I don't know. We we didn't really delve into something. that last, but he he's definitely spiritual, more agnostic. Yes, yeah. yeah. Like his his connotation of spirituality is better than his connotation of religion. So mm-hmm. it's like I could tell that he was he's definitely, agnostically spiritual. Yeah, he's de- mm-hmm. he's definitely believed in something. But it's like yeah. it's so cool to hear. I just I really want to hear your perspective being a practicing Christian and. What has being, being an Episcopalian, what has specifically given you hope about it? Like, because I know, because I was always very careful. I've always been, not careful, I've, um, 
I guess self-conscious that it's like people are going to think like this is like an anti-Christian podcast. It mm-hmm. just comes from my family because my family is all largely Protestant. Mm-hmm. But I really, I really want to know about that. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I, I also tread around it because I know it can be a very sensitive. Um, I love it. Topic. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, I just feel like I don't want people to um, perceive in the same way that people don't like feeling judged by Christianity or something. Um, like. Um, which I don't believe is the, is what Christianity should be doing, but, um, like, I don't want people to have perception of me and what my beliefs are, I guess, with faith, Mm -hmm. but, um, having, like, being, like, practicing, um, but what was the question? Sorry. I guess to make it, I guess, a little bit more clear for you, it's just like, what, what drew you? to mm-hmm. the Episcopalian faith. Yeah, well, I mean, like... And what keeps you going? I guess, like, I, I, well, I was baptized as an Episcopalian, so mm. at, like, in Tallahassee, um, in, like, a downtown church, you probably, like, could, like, pass nice. by it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I definitely, like, you know, in that way, I guess, like, was um, raised um, within it, but, um, but I never felt, um, like... Like my like my religion has only really grew, I guess. Um, and so I've never I haven't had that moment of like, oh, I've been taught something that I don't want to be taught, or like I've been forced into something. Because I think a lot of it was just my own personal um, being grounded in it. Um, Episcopalians, I I've and I've talked to Ted a lot about this, but like um, I just love how um, a lot of the parts of Christianity that so many people are hurt by. Um, you know the 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 organization as a whole you know the church itself like teaching like purity culture just like focusing so much on like the nitty-gritty of like you can't do this and if you do the do and you know if you are this certain type of identity or person um then that is wrong and you are not a christian Mm -hmm. Episcopalians don't do that they are very liberal and they're very welcoming Hmm. um and so much of it is just about living um you know with hope and doing acts of service and feeling um and just being grounded in um like you know god's um like plan and just like like oh like uh you know i feel like uplifting i feel like something (laughs) beautiful (laughs) well and i feel like something you said to me during when we were talking about that is the impression i got was like the way episcopalianism is teaching religion is giving you room to make mistakes and giving you room to grow and not saying not guilting you when you do something yeah and and, you know i guess they're not even it doesn't even sound like episcopalianism is like pushing some sort of like ideal thing on you whereas you know other other denominations of christianity can sometimes do that being like you have to if you don't follow god in this specific way you're you're not a christian whereas episcopalianism seems to be like god's plan is for you to be a good person and learn and grow and live well i think like well one i don't believe that my belief is that i don't um that i'm not a good person that nobody is really a good person that there isn't Mm. good and bad um because i think that just puts a label and a certain level of pressure on people you know and like so and somebody who 
I don't like saying like, you know, especially in the internet nowadays, we get so much of like, well, that's a bad person. Right. That is a bad person. Yeah, right. they um, or even like, you know, as much as like someone in like, you know, who's incarcerated, like that's that they did the bad thing. Yeah. But um, I've like learned to like lift that from me and be like, you know, we're all just people trying. And sometimes we do things that are morally not good, <laughs> you know, and yeah, that that can yeah. have a lot of consequences. But that doesn't mean that you're not um, exempt from being saved you know mm. and like be in and having um redemption um and i do think that a lot of christianity as a whole um that is it's it that is the belief I but agree. now there is a lot of people that are loud um about like certain rules and perspectives um but i don't think that that mm. is a reflection directly of like the bible or like you know yeah. um no. like older translations of the right. bible and stuff like that um i so that's kind of where, um, but I'm happy with Episcopalians since I never felt that pressure um, to like um, follow. Like, sorry, I'm shaking the table, but um, it's just a crappy table. Yeah, <laughs> like you know, but and so I've I am um, kind of I don't know. I think it's interesting that like I don't have like really many or or any necessarily like very christian friends you know like mm -hmm. i'll just go to church alone like obviously my parents um are religious as well but um like you know i don't know the only pressure i have is just like trying to um let people know i guess that like christianity isn't um this like thing of just judgment, judgment. i guess which seems to be becoming more and more prevalent like you said like mm -hmm. the loud people mm -hmm. because i know i was raised i mean i was raised with two we my family is like i think they're also a level of episcopalian mm -hmm. no, no 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 oh gosh i don't know but i know they're evangelical speaking tongues um and such yeah um but i was raised with two my father was a pastor grandfather a deacon yeah. I was raised with two separate messages, one from my mother's side mm -hmm. and one from my father's side, especially after they split up when I was mm -hmm. around two. Um, my father's side, not so much my father, my grandfather being God is judgment, mm -hmm. and the other side, my mother's side being God is grace. Mm -hmm. And that God is grace, that was the part that really drew me to mm -hmm. it, you know, and it wasn't, if you don't do this, you're going to burn in hell for forever, yeah. you know, and it's like... That other, like, no, God is grace. Like, he sent down his son yeah. to die for your sins. Like, yeah. No, you're taken care of. You're okay. You're saved. You're that's fine. That's the biggest act of, like, like self-sacrifice, yeah, you I know? Mean, that's, that's literally, like, that's selflessness at its most pure form. Yeah. Like, you gave up your life. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else you can do that is greater than, like, mm -hmm. what, what's a bigger sacrifice than giving up? the only thing that you understand mm -hmm. that's life yeah. you know it's like because as soon as you close i mean that's eternity you close your eyes that's it you know but i just that that message of yeah to, i you know what i'm saying just yeah like, that grace drew me to it and that's why i that's why i've always been, I've always been very i'm trying to be very careful of it not being just people who are not christian on the podcast because it's like I, there are so many, like you said, the loud people, they only talk about the bad things or whatever, but mm -hmm. those bad things come from, like you said, like institutions. Yeah, and, just you know, people in general. Exactly, you know, and it's like there's so many flawed. good parts about it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I love to see that you're, like, putting that into your life. I, yeah, and I want to awesome. share that with people, I think, also, that 
felt like they had to take a step back because they weren't worthy enough for the religion, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And just, like, to let people know, like, I understand if you're not ready for that, but you can also know that, like, that what your experience was is not it. You know, if religion is something that you are interested in, there is a place for you, and there are, like, areas that, like, have open doors. Um, And not to say that I don't have rules for myself or that, you know, I don't, like... um, you know, like God's judgment. Um, I do think that's that is an as- a big aspect of the religion, mm-hmm. um, but it isn't like something to be chained to. You know, yeah. like you do have to work on yourself. And I'm not gonna say like now that I've been saved, I'm just gonna um, never, you know, like not yeah. care about anything I do. Yeah. Like I do have these. Um, I do try to do um, or uphold my own morals and sets of values. Yes. You have but, your principles. Yeah, but I also like to. Um, you know, underst- I'm trying to understand how, um, like, you know, I don't know. I, I, I am, like, a very guilty person, though, so it does, like, affect my life, but um, that it's, there is room to be flawed. Um, yeah, and you're like, talking about how that judgment has encouraged you to be a better person. Yeah, yeah. I think. It wasn't and, just a negative thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. There's a healthy balance between the two. Yeah, and I think that's, that's okay. To, I, if anything, it, for, for me, it, I think it does come from a healthy place of just, like, being able to recognize the parts of me that are flawed um, mm-hmm. and then to see, like, try to work on them. Um, so, are you going to say something? <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about it as, like... She knows your tells, From too. my <laughs> perspective as, like, growing up in Judaism, uh-huh. you guys are making me think about, like, well, what the hell was my relationship to God because I you know the more we have people on here talking about their faith and I I really didn't I never thought about it too much because at a very early age I was like I don't think I I just don't think I believe in God I don't know why I was like 13 and I was like I'm having this bar mitzvah and I don't yeah necessarily think that that the way that they've taught me God is God well, um, I and, think, and I've always yeah. been but like I've always wanted um I like spirituality mm-hmm. and I like having a sense of like purpose and and I mean per, you know what I mean like I, I like having a sense of here's something I can go to to feel mm-hmm. um I don't know loved or protected or something like that mm-hmm. and for a very long time, I mean, I, I got very spiritual, and I guess for a long time I called it, like, you know, the universe and whatever and time, and I, I don't know, but yeah. you guys are making me think about, like, you know, how how is, I grew up Reformed Judaism, and hearing you talk about Episcopalianism, it's, like, sounds sort of similar to the way I was taught it, but I also am thinking about, like, one big difference is that, you know, in Christianity, Jesus sacrificed himself mm-hmm. for everyone and in Judaism it's not how it is we're, yeah well we're, we're I mean, still waiting for the Messiah yeah right and yeah. but and so that's so interesting to me to think about like the one thing that comes to mind yeah. is I feel like the way I was always taught about God was sure it was like this welcoming like pray to God that good things you know pray to God for good fortune but the way I was always taught about it was God is mighty, and God, that's really the only word I can think of for it. God is mighty, mm-hmm. and so he controls everything. 
and like he's the big bad. He's not even the big bad necessarily. Or but he's like, the sorry. He's, he's the big guy. He's, <laughs> he's the big guy. He's the big guy in the sky. And it's like you just pray to him, and and I, I I think that was one of the things maybe looking back at it that never made sense to me. Also, I mean, being a Jewish person, you learn about the Holocaust yeah. your whole life, and whenever I hear about that thing, I'm like, well, why would God? let that happen yeah if he's mighty and that's yeah. really where the first seeds of doubt in that particular way of thinking yeah. came from and so i've always been interested in like you know that's why i just i love well, judaism and mm-hmm. but we're going we're t- trying to tie yeah. it back to what we're talking about like there's terrible parts of judaism too or there's a whole show on netflix i don't know if you've ever heard of it i forgot what it's called unfortunately but my parents watched it it's about this girl who grows up in an Orthodox uh, temple, uh-huh. and Orthodox Judaism is extremely um, uh, gender, like there's hardcore gender roles. It's very misogynistic. Uh-huh. Women don't get to participate in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. They separate the men and the women. Um, mm. It's very weird, and mm-hmm. uh, and um, where am I getting at with this? But. There's a lot of really good values yeah. in Judaism. that, And that's something that I've always said to myself. Well, I loved growing up in my temple because the values that were set down were like, yeah. A, you know, you have Ten Commandments, but it was also just very much a big, big thing in Judaism is this thing called tzedakah, mm-hmm. which is like giving, it's like, it's like giving time to things and like giving your time basically and mm. There's mitzvahs, which are like good deeds. And those are really hammered home, at least in my temple. It was like, give tzedakah and do mitzvahs for people and mm-hmm. and help. And That's that was cool. always something that was hammered home. And I just, I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm going on this big tangent now because you guys mm-hmm. really have me thinking about like, what was my relationship? I haven't really even thought well, about God yeah. in a long time because I didn't like yeah. it. It was yeah. very much just like, God is always watching, and it's like, well, like well, he doesn't do anything, so why should I care? You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, why don't I just take these good... The thing I learned from Judaism was like, why don't I just be a good person for the sake of it? If God is watching me anyway, like, just... I don't even know how to explain it. I see what you mean. Well, I think a lot of it is that I've noticed that people are, it's really hard to comprehend, you know? And so you're only able to see, like, what's in front of you and, like, what's going on. And the whole point of faith is to just, you know, believe what you cannot see and believe what you are not able to have right in front of you um, as, like, tangible. Um, And, like, and a lot of it, I think, you know, once you, like, having a relationship with God is the whole, um, that is what keeps you grounded, you know, like being able to encounter him and like know him. For me, I think that's what I found. Like that's what really strengthens people's religion and like faith. Um, a lot of people say, a lot of people say like they're not religious, but they have a relationship with God or Jesus. Um, and, um, you know, finding out what the purpose is and, like, finding answers, you know, about, like, why do bad things happen. Um, that can all be, like, discovered, you know? Whoa. Um, And, like, thinking, like, that, you know, and you're going to have these doubts and, like, these questions sure. and be, like, you know, well, you know, God's watching me and God's watching everything. Um, and, like, like, I'm, like, on the learning process of, like, well, you know, 
not ma- making it more about um, God's good deeds and like what he has done for um, like, you know, he's de- if he's the creator of the universe, then he gave me this life, you know. Um, and, yeah. you know, and sent his son in f- terms of Christianity, right. you know, sent his son to, um, you know, relieve my sins and every the whole everybody's humanity sins. Um, mm. And so um, ma- and, th- and so like for me, like that becomes the center of everything of like my relationship with um, my faith in God and, you know, the creator of the universe and such. Well, I think the way that I justified it to myself as I got older because uh, for, for a really long time, I remember the moment I was 14 and I was at the high school. Jo- I was a bat boy for the for a mm-hmm. minor league affiliate of the Blue uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Wow. And, uh, and I was sitting on the field and I was just like watching the scoreboard or something. And I remember sitting there and being like, finally really being like, yeah, I don't, I just don't believe in God. I don't. What an odd time. A really weird. T- it's because I used to just sit there a lot. Nothing was really. So that was like basically was meditation. So I would be like, I'm just going to sit here and think about stuff. Yeah. And then I just remember being like, I'm, I think I'm a nihil- I think I'm like really nihilistic. And then yeah. I was like, I don't think there's anything. And for a long time, I was like that. I was like that, that optimistic nihilism thing that's like, oh, well, nothing matters. So. I can be happy about. I don't know. It's a really. I don't really believe that anymore either. I think mm. saying nothing matters is very sad. Um, yeah, it's very sad. And I think. And I think the <laughs> yeah. way that I started to justify it to myself was justify in the sense of the way I started to try to have a larger relationship, a, a more spiritual relationship with things was to basically say to myself, "We humans are a way." Because, okay, like, we're made of the same materials as stars, and we're made of the same material as Earth, and we're made of the same material as this table, like, at the atomic level and the molecular level. Mm -hmm. And I took this approach to being like, that makes me feel connected to the universe. And then I started to say to myself, well, humans are a way, and so are animals, I guess, and so are plants. We're a way for the universe to experience itself. Which, at the end of the day, to be honest, is the same exact, in my opinion, the same exact thing as people saying, like, you know, I, I, well, like, it's, the, it's kind of the same relationship people have to God, having faith in God. It's like, you're here to live with faith in God. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, well, that's how I've always... A very, very clear... I mean, there is a distinction between God in the Old Testament and God in the New Testament. I mean, mm-hmm. like the Old Testament, that is the Hebrew Bible, you know. Yeah. So, so that's that alone. If if you were to say the Bible is in two halves, it's like there's one half that Judaism focuses on, and then there's two halves that Christianity also focuses on. So mm-hmm. it kind of gives like it, it's inherently different perspectives. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I always, my dad being a pastor, I love talking about. Mm-hmm. I love talking with him about these things and. Because um, I, you know, thankfully I've learned to be very open with how I feel and to, I'm, I'm, I'm transparent in, in the idea that I don't necessarily, I still ask for prayer. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. Because I know it works. I believe in the power of yeah. belief. I mean, we, the only way that we can distribute medicine is by having placebo controlled studies conducted on mm-hmm. hundreds, if not thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. Okay. Placebo meaning you think you're doing something. 
but you're technically not, but you think that you are. Like, you're given mm-hmm. a dud. That's not actually doing anything for you, but you're mm-hmm. told that it is, so it, it works. But I always, I always, I believe in the power of belief, number one, but number two, I always told my dad, um, his, his argument, you know, God is all-powerful, all-good, all-knowing. All-good, the opposite of good is bad, evil mm-hmm. is bad. Mm-hmm. He's all-powerful, why does evil exist? Couldn't mm-hmm. he just completely wipe it away? And then... My whole thing was, well, if he was all-knowing, you know, it all tied back to the Garden of Eden for me. Then why did he give us free will? And why did he not want us to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil? And it's like when we had when we discussed this with Connor Shan on episode three, um, you know, it was like he kind of summarized it. was like, yeah. So when I read that, it was like God or probably just summarizing my perspective on it, it was like, yeah. So if God didn't want me to learn. Then why would I follow him? But I never really I, I don't want people taking that out of context and basically saying it's like well god never wanted us to learn and everything mm-hmm. like that because i always told me like i received so many good things from being raised in the church mm-hmm. just let alone the community aspect of it yeah going to the same place every week with the same people building those friendships having that community knowing that you can rely on one another mm-hmm. and it's like you know you're in this together we'd have potlucks it'd be, mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be a good time you know and I, I always kind of saw that the people who really, I guess, who really drew me to Christianity were the people who led by example, like mm-hmm. Jesus's lessons and everything. Mm-hmm. It's like the fruits of the spirit. I guess I leave it at that. It's yeah. like, you know, you incorporate the fruits of the spirit into your life. And I feel like that's doing, in my perspective, doing much more than in your heart internalizing, I accept Jesus into my heart. And then, like you said continuing on to be whatever type of person that you were before were before mm-hmm. or you know so i was always like what if maybe god is all-knowing this is this is like a theory that i have at least maybe god he is all-knowing he is all good he is all powerful and because he is all of those things he knows that we have he gave us free will because we have to learn we can't just have like in order to appreciate the good things we have to have bad in our life right mm-hmm. and if he knows that not everybody is going to agree on the same thing, he would present himself in different forms to different people based on their circumstances that they were born into. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have the Christian God, and then it's like, you know, Christians say, well, it's like, well, if you worship Allah, then I guess, you know, you do that. But Allah is God, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just a different language. Um, and or whether or not that's just like a philosophy, like Confucianism, yeah. or whether or not it's like, it's like, somewhat of a philosophy like uh or no it is a philosophy like buddhism it's like i feel like god can at least i put this forward i feel like god presents himself in different ways because if the end goal is for humanity to get into heaven it's Mm -hmm. like you walk up to the golden gates and you're let in it's like how did you live your life Mm -hmm. you know and i think that this is my perspective again i think modern christianity kind of emphasizes orthodoxy like right thinking mm-hmm. instead of orthopraxy right doing or right practice like like you said like going out like you said the episcopalians do like they encourage going out helping the community mm-hmm. helping those around you as well as judaism it was like go do i can't remember the exact word no, it was yeah. like go do those helpful things you yeah. know that's what's helping those things mm-hmm. you know and i really so i was always like i don't because, you know, his current perspective, the reason the whole conversation started was, well, in order to get to heaven, you have to accept Jesus into your heart at some point during your life. And then I was like, what if you never meet him or what if he's never presented to you? Mm-hmm. And then he said, well, at some point, everyone's introduced to God. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I feel like you can't really get data on that. But from <laughs> what I can understand, it's like, 
at some point you are given an opportunity for salvation. But I feel like that was just his perspective of salvation. Yeah. That was, I'm not saying that he believes in necessarily white Jesus, but it's like, for an example, white Jesus is there sitting on a seat after you die, and he's like, so. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to let you in. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I don't, you know, but I, and so it was always very conflicting for me, but I always believe in what I love to hear so far we've given in your perspective it's like you really incorporated those things into your life mm -hmm. you know and it's like you really made it like you lead by example yeah and just the sheer fact like we didn't start this conversation i mean we've been talking it's been it's been an hour and 56 minutes yeah <laughs> we didn't start this conversation talking about religion i wasn't like who are you what do you believe yeah in? you talked about what you're interested in and it was like oh my gosh this person's pretty cool they're in a comedy <laughs> writing and theater and then it wasn't until an hour and a half in that we started talking about your faith yeah because it's just like you it's just like you're a good person and it oozes <laughs> out of you you know and i feel like no matter the faith it's like i feel like so many world faiths promote that it's like just be a good person they do you know and i feel yeah. you know and i i guess i i would love to hear your perspective on yeah. that like what do you think like is it is it that line of and you don't have to speak to it if you don't want to and, yeah but like is it that line of you have to accept jesus into your heart or is it putting like incorporating things into your life that are helpful to others yeah um i've had or the both, same you know? yeah i've had the same questions as well you know um and i have thought a lot about like you know somebody who grew up um in a baptist church in the deep south um is probably going to have a different um opportunities to experience Christianity than someone in a different, you know, country, you know, that mm -hmm. doesn't, who hasn't provide, provided the same opportunities, who, um, you know, and also might feel more nihilistic because of their experiences, um, you know, or like because they were raised differently, you know? So um, I definitely have those same questions um, and I'm still figuring it out. Um, and I don't know exactly, like, the answers, but I do, um, at this time, believe, um, or I guess the, the Christian idea is that um, you would need to be saved um, by mm -hmm. Jesus um, in order to enter into heaven. That's just a very, like, kind of scary, <laughs> you know? That's, like, yeah. a scary that thing to, like... Impulse. Yeah, and so I still, like, of course I would like to say that, like... Um, for a while I did, I, I, I do think, you know, being like, well, you know, but like my friend who isn't, um, you know, she is like, she tries to be morally good. So like, shouldn't she be able to, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like um, right now I'm at the point where I'm still trying to understand that um, whole idea um, because um, I understand that, um, I don't know, I understand that there are different perspectives and people believe different things. I respect and that about you. Yeah, thanks. Um, and so um, I guess, like, I'm at the point where um, I'm just trying to figure out what it means for me and, like, what I do believe exactly. Um, mm. But I do and, like, what heaven is, you know? And, like, because yeah. for a while I, like, really, really doubt, like, you know, I still get, like, kind of weirded out by, like, different certain uh, denominations of Christianity, like, you know, evangelicalism that, I said it weird, but you know what I mean, um, where they it's just okay. kind of say, like, uh, the enemy and the devil and the, you know, then they ba yes. basically make this very intense personification um, of, yeah. you know, hell. Um, and that always just was, like, very strange to me. And, like, I always wanted to kind of, um, like, 
I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like that. Didn't like really re- resonate with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I'm just at the point where, um, I, <laughs> I'm hopeful, and I, I would love for like all the people that I meet that I love to be, you know, given a, the gift of heaven. You know, that yeah. would, I would love for that to um, be the truth. But I know that the Christian belief is very much. Um, resonates on being saved which i think also is an interesting perspective though um in that like that shows that you can sin and you can fall um but as long as you like have faith and belief um that's the idea of it um because being saved implies being lost or wrong yeah yeah and like finding faith um like you know within god and jesus um so i do definitely think that that's um valid (laughs) or I do believe that you know I do believe that um and I think but right now I'm at the point where I'm just kind of seeing how uh having a relationship with with um my god you know um has impacted every aspect of my life you know Hmm. um and so um and like that's why I'm a you know I try to be a good person I guess whatever that means um Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, do morally good things. Um, and um, and what I don't do, like, what I don't say in comedy, you know, like, that also, like, Im- that heavily impacts it. Um, hmm. I've had to say I can't be in this thing because it, like, I, I feel like it is um, not a reflection of my values and faith, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, like, you know, that's also, like, a different, a whole difficulty on its own to navigate. Um Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the other thing is that since I I am like I share the same like questions and stuff like that, um, that I I don't I can't like be like this is the you know which I very much appreciate right I, and I yeah I yeah but I also have I feel like I have the responsibility to at least say like you know um, like this is what I know to be true you know, yeah like, you're, this you're, is what I'm believe yes. and that that I hope that you, you hold know, your principles well, and that's yeah. Interesting, too, because I think a lot of the people that I've associated myself with, um, I rarely meet people who say to me, well, this is what I believe. A lot of times I meet people who are a lot like me who are like, I don't really know. Don't really know what it is. And, like, I just think it's it's really. Yeah. It's just interesting. It's cool. And I I hate I would. I'm very pessimistic when it comes to like, belief, and I I'm not not nah, yeah, pessimistic's the wrong word. I'm very skeptical about hardcore belief, and that's just me. Apprehensive, maybe a little apprehensive too. Um, but I still like the same way you respect that not everybody has the same perspective. So can I. Just because I'm apprehensive or skeptical about having a hardcore belief in that in you know going to heaven or accepting jesus Mm -hmm. um that doesn't i would be i'm much more i want to focus more on how i can still have a similar even though i'm not sure exactly you know maybe i'm not sure exactly what i believe in i Mm -hmm. can still have the same uh uh ideas that you have of being a morally good person um Mm -hmm. and and you know, does that make sense? Like, it's just, yeah. I, I sort of, I guess what I'm really trying to just say is it's really cool that you have <laughs> such a strong belief in something because that's something that I just really haven't ever felt. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing that hasn't, um, like, with all my, like, changes and stuff like that, that's been kind of a constant through my whole life. That's cool. Um, but I think, and for a while, I was very, um, like, I thought, like, you know, oh, this can be a private part of myself, you know, that almost, like, that I was embarrassed to share because I didn't want people, because I've always been, like, the goody two-shoes, you know, the person that, like, is... Um, that won't drink until she's 21 years old, you know? Like, it has, it's very, like, I know that that can evoke a perception of myself, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Because you don't find many, like, people that are actively, like, doing comedy and also, like, very religious, you know? I feel like that doesn't, that doesn't naturally... comedy seems very, like... I feel like nowadays it's almost paradoxical. Exactly, and so that's why I'm kind of in this interesting perspective. But then I also have come to the point where I'm like, but I also feel like it's my responsibility to... um, share that it is possible i would definitely agree with that what that fact that like we need people like chloe ward who are (laughs) very religious but still like comedy because there is a really dangerous in my opinion a really dangerous like archetype in comedy which is like i'm gonna drink myself to death and i'm gonna smoke cigarettes and i'm gonna like like the starving artist kind of deal yes but more so like a step further where it's like I'm a comedian so fuck everything oh like this is my lifestyle yeah like, I'm doing like, this like I'm comedy. actively gonna just throw beer cans around the house and 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 you know make everything chaotic because it's funny well I agree <laughs> with you because well I well I guess like I don't necessarily I can't speak to the archetype of the comedian now because I'm not a comedian mm-hmm. but the guy who got me into comedy his name is Tim Hawkins and he's a Christian comedian so mm-hmm. all of his humor was totally clean. None of it was super existential or dark. I mean, he was all, but he made you laugh. And yeah. it was all, it was Christian yeah. comedy, but he wasn't talking about God the whole time. He was yeah. just like telling I, clean jokes. Yeah. You know? yeah. Which, well, and I think there's, there's a lot of like, that's what, kind of where I'm at right now is I'm like, even though I know that there are probably going to be like hiccups in the road navigating that, um, that like, you know, it's making family friendly content is not like a bad thing <laughs> you yeah. know that's only if anything that's like that's what i want to see because that's get, what gives me comfort um so i'm sure there's other people out there that also like agree like i'm very sensitive to like certain media and like content and, like genres um mm-hmm. so my like being a christian and like having more clean content i suppose um you know that also helps other aspects of myself where i don't like to i don't like shocking and horror things you know yeah um so they kind of like intersect um yeah so that's like the two parts to me is that like Mm. yes i believe that there is that you can find salvation in you know jesus and god um but uh and then just having that um kind of be the basis of my life and then like (laughs) everything else like bleeds out from there Mm. (laughs) well so what have you I guess probably we should probably wrap up. Yeah, it's been over two hours. Yeah, but my last question for you. Okay. Um, is what is something that either you've learned from pursuing your interests mm-hmm. or your faith that you've incorporated into your daily slash weekly life? This is something that's actively hopeful. You know, like an act of hope that you do. Your lifestyle. And yeah. Your I mean, because I mean, you talked about it earlier. You know how Episcopalians encourage doing those deeds and everything helping out is there any example you can give us that you've incorporated into your life um of like finding hope you're saying or bringing just finding hope feeling hope feeling hope yeah um 
I mean, like, I guess my relationship to God is such, is it, it like, I pray a lot, <laughs> like, a lot, a lot, a lot, and mm-hmm. I have found, um, recently when, like, I'm going through a difficult time, like, or just, like, prayers that have been answered, that gave, that gives me, ev- that gives me everything. Not mm-hmm. just saying that, like, every single prayer that you say is going to be answered, but the ones that are answered, it feels, that, like, gives me the most comfort um sometimes the answer is no yeah right (laughs) yeah and sometimes it's been like um like recently I had something happen where um I was just like literally on my hands and knees just like praying to God and like that prayer um was answered and it felt so much like 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 I was being protected and that like you know I knew that that my life um I don't know like was going forward I guess in a positive direction um, and so, yeah, prayer is amazing and wonderful, um, and it's something that anybody can do, you know, even if you don't understand, like, what you believe, like, it can help you find answers, um, and, um, that, and then also just, like, you know, um, I don't know, like, dancing, <laughs> like, <laughs> dance, like, going yeah. for a walk and playing good music, um, just dance, and then, like, seeing, it, yeah, and I feel like it doesn't matter who it is, when they see somebody doing that, it makes you smile, yeah, you know? and I think, like, I've noticed how I feel so much better and at peace when, um, I'm just, like, going, I'm doing something all day, you know, and that, like, I'm not on my phone, and, um, yeah. I'm able to, like, have relief through friends, um, watching my favorite shows, like just doing actively something that um, I enjoy, I guess. <laughs> um, and then also, but like hope is so interesting because like, you know, peace and hope can be, are like similar but different. Um, yeah. That helps me find like peace and then hope is just, um, I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, all I those things. I feel like you answered it. Okay, you good. Know, oh my God, you answered that question yeah. so well. You were okay. like, oh, well, I pray and <laughs> dance. I dance. And, well, I just, because the only reason I asked is that there, there is a difference. Because before I was listening to this Neil deGrasse Tyson podcast and he was like, he used to not like hope. But whatever guest said this, he was like, well, there's a difference. There's passive hope and there's active hope. Passive hope being, you know, you accept your circumstances, you know, but it's like, things are going to get better. But you don't necessarily do anything to actualize that betterment. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, whatever that is. But it's like, active hope is, well, I acknowledge my circumstances and I hope that things are going to get better and I know that there are things I can do to make that a reality. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm, that's why, you know, we try to make it a, a constant on this podcast is asking people how they define their active hope yeah you know, like what actions they put into their lives because it's like no matter the belief no matter the background everybody i feel like in a way does something like everybody does at least in some small ways and some big ways they try to make the reality that they want to come yeah. to be you know yeah and for me i feel like it gets to the point of just like you know taking those intrusive thoughts and just like letting those be thoughts that come in your mind and then you know the really pessimistic ones and then just being like oh never mind because you know (laughs) I'm gonna think about something different now and I'm gonna try to like change my my thoughts um to 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 be more optimistic in Mm -hmm. general so 
It's yeah. so cool. Thank you for coming today. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for having me. This was me an awesome gab. conversation. <laughs> oh my God, I know, yeah. You, at one point you were like, I'm rambling, and I was like, that's the point. <laughs> like, in my head, I was like, I'm so glad, you know? I just, yeah. I love it when you just go for it. Also, I don't know if you were joking before we started, but earlier you were like, we're going to have a conversation for an hour? And I was like, well, now it's been two hours and almost 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah, two hours and 11 minutes so far. Wow. And it has been nothing but engaging like, I really and I'm so glad that I got to know you more because yeah. like, I, like I know you guys are roommates and I feel like well I always learn something new about always. people too yeah. like I knew a lot of what you were saying but still I feel like I mm-hmm. learned more mm-hmm. about you yeah. and like I really I, I got a glimpse into like who you are at least, like, yeah your brain you know and yeah. I just I don't know I think you're an extremely hopeful person Thanks. and I really hope that I'm sorry. It's okay. Hey, 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 stop it. No, but I I just, I really hope people hear this and, uh, you know, they can incorporate it in their lives too. Yeah. No, thanks. This is really nice and, like, sweet and uplifting. So. Oh, good. You guys got a good thing going. Awesome. (laughs) Cool. Thanks for being on, Chloe. Yeah, man. Thanks for listening, guys.